0: This is Clive. This is Chris. This is Adrian. This is Lisa. This is Ben. And you're listening to the Woodfired Oven Podcast with Mark Goston.
1: The great thing about hosting a podcast is it gives me the opportunity to sit down and chat with some really amazing people. The Woodfired Oven community is full of very talented, friendly and generous folk, all who are so happy to impart their skills and knowledge onto us. From amazing home cooks to food historians to wood-fired oven designers and manufacturers, this community I have found myself in is rich, it's vibrant, and incredibly talented. When I was researching which wood-fired oven I would purchase for my family, it didn't take me long to discover today's very talented guest and his extraordinary passion for wood-fired ovens. The gorgeous D105 brick oven I chose and purchased from today's guest a couple of years ago has inspired Delighted and connected me with Cooking with Fire again. And for that, I'm very grateful. Ben Guilford from The Firebrick Company here in sunny Melbourne, Australia, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm now suddenly nervous. Uh, what, what an introduction. How do I follow through <laughs> after that? Oh, that's very nice. Thank Look, you. you, that's you lovely.
1: You're, you're a very passionate and you are very talented. We've been chatting uh, prior to coming on the mic, and, and you've got an amazing setup here. You've got an amazing team of people around you. Uh, must be a great place to come to work.
0: It is. I feel very spoiled. Yeah. Very spoiled. And I, I think part of that spoiledness is in the opportunity to talk to customers. When I do get to talk to customers, particularly once they've they bought their oven, they built it, like yourself, yeah. and then they've had this fantastic experience and they're so grateful. Like, you know, the, the feedback that we get is just so lovely. as it's, it's uplifting. So I get to indulge my passion for making stuff. Yeah. But then I get this... this affirmation from customers who are are grateful. So it's it's lovely.
1: And you must get to see a lot of photos because I think uh, every second swipe on Instagram for me seems to be either a P85 or a D105. There's a lot of folk around the world who are building your ovens and that must be very satisfying.
0: It's awesome. It's awesome. And I think something that we tell customers all the time is uh, when they've just bought their oven and uh, and we say, please take a whole bunch of photos, send them to us. I think sometimes people think, oh, they've probably seen all the photos. They're bored with it. No, no. not at all. <laughs> no. not, not even close. No, like, we, we love
1: hundreds it. Hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, it's great, isn't
0: it? They well, must be
1: so good. I mean,
0: there's something that's really fun in getting a photo from someone in America. Yeah. Um. Not Australian listeners, love you. Yeah, love you too. <laughs> there are a lot but, of but, them. Uh, but, but there's like getting a photo from someone so far away who's built one of our products and they're, they're loving it and they're cooking in it. I, I don't know. There's... It's just, it's very satisfying.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's great. Pretty Let's cool. set the scene for our listeners. Now, I've uh, flown down to Melbourne. I've driven uh, in your Melbourne traffic today. That's gorgeous, isn't it? Oh. So good. It's... Yep, that's another story. Mm-hmm. I was a little late. Sorry about that. No, I'll forgive uh, you eventually. <laughs> uh, where are we? Where are we sitting okay, now?
0: So we are um, about 40 Ks southeast of Melbourne town um, in Hallam, which is basically you've got Hallam and Dandenong side by side, and it's one of the Southern Hemisphere's largest industrial centres. So, really?
1: so we're in a factory complex okay. uh, here in Hallam All right. uh, that we've been in since 2011. Okay, and we're currently – uh, obviously, doing an in-person interview, which is nice for me. Uh, we're sitting in your staff room, uh, which is on level two of one of how many factories have you got seven. here? Seven. We have seven, seven factories. Here. Yes. So, it's a fairly big outfit you've got it's
0: here. Scary. Well, it, they're not enormous factories. So, just so that people don't think we are you know like got to a giga factory like Elon Musk or well, something. It's not uh, quite that size. No, no. It's bigger than my garage. Yeah. It's bigger than your garage, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and we just. I mean, we started off in 2011, started with one factory. And I think uh, that was it. Probably stayed that way for about four years, and then a neighbour in this complex. So there's 27. So you've factories. been in this place
1: downstairs since 2011. Since 2011, we've
0: been we've been in this complex since 2011. And so, you know, a, a few years after starting, um, one of the neighbours directly across from our factory, one of the other factories, said, "Oh, um, I don't really need this much space." And I said, "Well, frankly, I could use a bit more. You know, do you want to split it?" <laughs> and so we went Harvey's, and I started using half of his factory, and eventually we took that one over and. And then it's it's just been this slow, very organic process of growing. Where um, as we've as we've grown and expanded, we sort of get to this point where oh gee whiz, we could really use a little extra space. And then lo and behold, another factory will come up for lease, and we'll go we'll think about it. Don't just always take them, yeah. um, but uh, we've slowly been taking on more uh, as, as they've been needed. So
1: And so 11 years later, you've got seven mini, they're not that many factories. Uh, you haven't decided to take on one big factory and to combine all those together? Yeah.
0: Well, uh, that's a question we get all the time, mm. and and it's a really good question because, well, why wouldn't you? Mm. Surely there's some savings or something to be made. We've got the seven factories for, for a few reasons. One of them is it, it was like – it was a, an organic process where we couldn't certainly couldn't afford to rent a four thousand square meter factory straight away. No chance. I don't, it's not like we have some giant backers, you know, just pumping in hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, Elon Musk's yeah, just, yeah, no, just no. Yet, not quite yet. not yet. Um, no, frankly, not yet. And frankly, not ever. Like because <laughs> yeah. it is. Is Kate and I own yeah. the business. Yeah, it's, it's, it's us. We don't have any. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you even call them. People who own part of the business. It's just us. And so we've 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 grown very organically. So we couldn't start really big, and so that's how we've ended up mm-hmm. with seven. But you could say, well, all right, why don't you find now? Let's get the four thousand square meter mega factory yeah. and set up in there. Yes.
1: Wouldn't there be some efficiencies in doing well, this? There, look, there, there could
0: be. Um, so you may actually get it slightly cheaper per square meter. Let's say. Okay. Um, but there's a few things. One one of the things is having lots of small factories gives you some flexibility. So let's say at the moment things are going great and we are so grateful um, for like the number of ovens that that we're selling. It's, um, we, you know, sales are picking up in America as well. It's It's, it's exciting. exciting, yeah. And it's been that way since 2011. It's just been this slow growth, you know, 30% per year, just growing and growing. That's it's great. been brilliant. Hmm. Right. What if that's not always the case? So what if uh, something happens and sales stagnate or maybe go backwards? Um if we're in one massive space, we are stuck with that. With that, and that is a huge cost, whether it's a yeah. lease or, or, or a mortgage, um, it's a massive cost and it's not flexible. But if you have, say, seven smaller factories, you could let one go, um, put it up for lease, and then you, you're saving that money. So we could we could scale. If we had to scale down to half the size we are now, we could, could do, do it. that. Yeah. It would be horrible. Yeah, I don't
1: want to. Mm. But it, it's technically possible. Was COVID? A concern for you when it turned up in terms of how that was going to impact you and your staff and, and your family? You yeah. I, like I was, I remember Christmas, I was like following
0: it on the news. It was just this, you know, thing that was happening in some province of China that I'd never heard of. And um, sort of, I, thought, I remember watching it going, oh, that doesn't look great. No, no. no it doesn't look uh, great. And then, and as it really, you know, sort of March um, of 2020, it was really sort of rearing its head here. And I remember saying to my wife, saying, all right, this could go either way um, and we need – I think maybe people might stop spending money. Um, frankly, I think they'd be smart to. Mm-hmm. Like it's so uncertain. Let's, you know, I think a lot of people will stop spending money on on dispensable – their dispensable income. They might hold on to that. Yeah. Um, which would be fair enough. And uh, I said to Kate, well, like wood-fired ovens, like they are. They're awesome.
1: Mm. You
0: don't need one to live. No. It's nice. Yeah, it's They're pretty really nice. nice to have, but yeah. you don't have to have one. Of course. And and so I said, well, I'd like mate, we don't know what's going to happen here. Um, you know, we need to like cut all of our possible costs. So we looked at everything that we were spending money on business-wise, you know, we we got rid of some bin extra bins that we were renting and gas bottles and all these little things that we could yeah, try streamlined and streamline a little bit and, yeah. and then for the worst and And then basically about a month later um, governments around the world just came out with various job saver packages like JobKeeper um, and all of a sudden people's jobs were secure. Yeah. But now they were bored. They're stuck at home. Sales went up seventy five percent. You're joking. Seventy five percent. Really? Yeah, on the year before, which had already been a good year. Wow. Uh, and and we're just like, what is That's going incredible. on? So when from- you all your staff now stuck at home, or are they allowed to no, come well, to work? No, well home? that was the thing. So uh, we we were we were manufacturers. Yeah. Uh, and so we were allowed to keep working. Is that right? Yeah. So there, like, and I tell you what, half of the half of the fun was keeping up with all the changes. So it was every. It oh, felt yeah. like every week. Yep. There was a new. Uh, a new rule would come out, or a new, like, you know, some kind of level of lockdown. Let's say because Melburnians, we know all about lockdowns.
1: Yes, you do, don't want to talk you? about it you though. You okay. Oh my gosh! Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, you were up there in Queensland? Just, oh, just, just kicking back in the sun. So, no, but, uh, look, you know, uh, I'm a pilot, and and uh, through the last two years, uh, industry that I've been in, we've been uh, very busy. We fly freight around the country, and uh, we've had to do similar uh, every week. We've gone flying. We've had to get our border passes. We've had to understand what the different states are yep. now allowing yep. and not allowing you to yeah, do. Yeah. It was it's so many industries have been impacted over the last couple Absolutely. of years. But your business has been pretty resilient. Well, we we were we were super
0: fortunate, eh? Like we we basically had to just keep up with all right, what are the rules? Are we allowed to keep, you know, it was every time that new new rules are coming out, I'm like, right? Oh yeah, can we keep going? Yeah. Um and there was it actually did we did have one very severe period where we had to cut down, I think, to thirty percent of our normal workforce, yep. but we were still allowed to keep going. Right. Um, But it was it was hard. Uh, it was hard in this. Like I, I think for us, I am not complaining. I am not in any position to complain. We are so fortunate. Yeah, very much. Uh, whereas, so. like we know people in the hospitality industry yeah. who, man, they just got
1: slammed. Oh, um absolutely. And, uh, you
0: know, and some of them, like Charlie Carrington at Atlas Dining, he's brilliant. He just pivoted, bang, to doing. He would uh, film like cooking at home, so live you cook along with Charlie, watching live. He would send you out a full package of like here's all the ingredients that you need, all the special sauces. They're all prepared, and like so, so I would say we were very fortunate that we didn't have to say pivot to. I hate the word pivot. If you say the word pivot, pivot. or unprecedented. Are
1: they, are they anti-words? Are yeah. like, they anti-words? just
0: pivot. Uh, it, no. <laughs> um, no, so, so anyway, pivot. I, I would say we were so fortunate. And and look, having to like, you know, jump through those hoops and, yeah. and try and stuff on top of it, that's just a minor thing. The fact that we were able to keep going and keep our guys all employed. That's great, isn't uh, it? was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. And not only did we keep them all employed, but we had to take on more people to to um, keep up with the demand. So, Unbelievable. No, very, very blessed.
1: Okay, Ben, you have a Bachelor of Mechanical Engineering, a Bachelor of Technology Aerospace. Yes. You graduated uh, with honours in 2008. That's a pretty impressive resume. Even before we start talking about the details of your woodfoot oven business, that's amazing. Uh, can you cook in your wood-fought ovens as well as you make and design them?
0: I, I'll be honest. I am a much better engineer Are than you? I am than I am a cook. Do you suck a bit? Uh, uh, I know don't, I don't uh, suck. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: okay. That's right. Come on. I've <laughs> seen you. I've seen your videos. <laughs> <You'd be> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your videos and some of your food looks ripped, some of you. Your food looks really great. Well, so that's what happens when you cook it like six times <laughs> before you actually present it to yeah, the camera. Man, so that's I'm that's not right. like right. Clive. Like no. Clive, oh, the wood uh, oven yeah, chef, man, that man, guy, is he, he will. He rocks and he will He's amazing! So he's a to hear You're he's, coming on the show. Oh man! And I love Clive.
0: I've actually chatted with Clive for quite a while because yes, he mentioned um, he had a great we, chat with We did with this. You. We did this video. Oh, he, sorry, he did this video yeah. on um, retained heat cooking. That's right. And uh, we got to have a great chat about that. But yeah, Clive, when he's when he's filming, like say, I think there was a fish dish that he did, yep. and he cooked it like four times yes. because each time he would pull it out of yes. the oven, sure. and it wasn't quite visually.
1: Perfect. That's yeah, correct. Uh, yes. So I don't, I'm not like that. Yeah. For me, like sticking so that, that with his steak as well. He, he he was saying he had to. He, it was about four pieces of steak or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Said he had to go, Just to get the, the different shots. I, I mean, and, and his look, look, work is amazing. It, it is incredible. It is yeah.
0: incredible, and yeah. it is just it's beautiful. It is. There's and no and other if you way haven't listened
1: it. to that episode, check out season one of the podcast. He was a uh, second guest uh, last season. Uh, yep. m- a must listen. It's a,
0: it's a great. It's, it was it was a really enjoyable listen. Yeah, and if you haven't seen his stuff, just look up the Wood Fired Oven Channel on YouTube. it's amazing. And if you if you like wood-fired cooking, it's actually – I've got this lovely music.
1: Oh, anyway, anyway, uh, sorry. Well, I, could, I, I could talk a day about his music. Yeah. I did. Um, it's gorgeous music. Anyway, let, so so so, so you, you cook pretty good. No, I, I I can cook. I can cook.
0: I and I enjoy cooking, and that's part of the reason I got to this place of like running this business is is I do enjoy cooking. Um, I am probably a better engineer than I am a natural cook. If you put it in, if you put a recipe in front of me, I can do it. Okay. So I actually love baking.
1: Uh, because baking is a like a the engineering yeah, of is. cooking.
0: It is. Uh, it's. It's not. Um. If you said, Ben, I need you to make a stir fry, yeah. we're gonna have a problem. Uh, okay. It's like, oh yeah. It's like, it's like uh, is there is there a sauce that you can give me? Like, is there like where's, where's the, the where's the instructions? Yeah. Oh no no. Just just cut up some stuff and put it in the pan. I like I like the um. I think, and it's probably reflected in our instructions for the oven. It's like yeah. very detailed yeah, well, that's good step though. by step, that's good. Covering all the questions. And, and I'm probably the same in terms of cooking. Okay. I, I like I like detail, so I sort of know what I'm doing, and get that confidence.
1: Um, but yeah. Do you come from a family of engineers? No, no. My um my mum
0: was a, I believe, a stenographer. Um, she she, you know t- dictation oh, and yeah, sure, she yeah. could write in shorthand really? it's little squiggles oh, it's crazy I know. Oh, I
1: know. you know that has its history in ancient Rome uh, I did it, not know Cicero's that. secretary yes. Tarot, yes, came up with the first modern shorthand and a lot of those shapes and words that are used today came from ter- anyway Roman wow. history okay. anyway, another well, story. Well, yeah, I did not know we were going to oh, go oh, there today no, no, uh, that <laughs> was a surprise even <laughs> for me uh, okay but so, so yeah so um, my dad
0: uh, he was it was funny I haven't Oh, many people this? Until I was probably about eight, I thought he was a cowboy. Really? Which is older than I should have been. Because <laughs> So, firstly, we lived in Blackburn in Melbourne, which is like a suburb, you know, in around Melbourne City. There's no cows. There's, okay. there's no fields to go lasso the cows in, right? Did he have a tractor? He had a or... cowboy
1: hat. Oh, did he? He
0: wore oh, a cowboy hat all the time, on. and I was convinced that he was a cowboy for way too long. That's such
1: a gorgeous story. Turns out he
0: taught maths and physics at high school. Okay. Yeah, not right. So, not- not lassoing. Not cowboy stuff. Not cowboy stuff so no, much. Um, but hang
1: on. Maths and physics. Maths so they, they and physics. Must so, have rubbed off a little so bit. So
0: I, I think, yeah, I, I think in terms of my attraction to like engineering, um, part of that would have come from my dad for sure.
1: Did yeah. you play with Lego and stuff? As I, a kid? Loved,
0: I loved Lego. I loved Duplo, um, which is the uh, much larger, more clumsy Lego. But I, I remember being probably maybe six or seven and just playing around like with blocks and stuff on the floor. And I wasn't just trying to build like a little castle. I was – I remember what do they call those systems where you, you release a ball and it triggers something else. It triggers something yeah, else. It's got a name. Those, those
1: kinetic y type things that uh, they that
0: Yeah, well, like you know, you start a you start a process and then it it will run through and it triggers off all these other things step by step. The chain reaction. Yep. It's got a name and it's just um, you'll paste it over the top now. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> that was right, Well, well done. Yeah. Uh, well, so yeah. Thank so you, I will be trying to make these things with like, you know, <laughs> using rulers as like some flexible thing and try trying to make these. These these structures. It was just, and it was just for fun. Like, but it was. I think I've always had an attraction to making things, um, even before I had any of the skills that you sort of need to do that. I just lo- I just loved making stuff.
1: So going into uni, doing doing your uh, mechanical engineering and your uh, bachelor of technology aerospace. Yes. Uh, why why aerospace?
0: I think at the time it was so I'd graduated high school like year twelve um, and I'd done reasonably well, and so I had the option. Of doing it and look jets are cool man you yeah. know that they're pretty cool they're cool they go fast, uh, they go fast. Yeah. Uh, and they're fascinating they, and so they are i just had this attraction to it i just thought that sounds amazing and yeah. the fact that i could do it as a double degree mechanical engineering hey that's got a whole wide range of application aerospace it's pretty specialized. Yeah, it's pretty specialized yeah. um you make stuff fly yeah you make stuff fly. you end up probably making weapons mostly oh, okay uh, is is that's a lot of aerospace stuff. right um but yeah i I found it fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and so it, was, it wasn't It was really um, – I didn't look around and go, oh, I'm going to do – maybe I'll do some other degree. It was just, oh, I could do that. Absolutely. Yeah, Sorry. Right. You'll
1: do it. Yeah, yeah, great. And you enjoyed doing it.
0: I did. I had a great time. And it's interesting. You're like, do you need a degree for doing this? It's like, not really. No.
1: But – But it's what it trains your mind though. It's how it crafts and molds you, I it, think. It,
0: it, it trains you in – so you, you learn um, the technical aspects of how things work, let's say. Um, there's, there's a good – way of thinking about it, but it also teaches you how to think and how to yeah. approach problems yep. um, and it sort of trains you in that as well. Um, but, no, it's actually – it's interesting. I think, oh, did I really need to do that course? Was that really worthwhile? I one of So I studied a few things that have direct use here. One of them is heat transfer. It's one right. of my favourite subjects. No, that's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So how – how heat is transferred from one medium to another um, and understanding that and actually being able to do the maths on it
1: as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I,
0: I, did a, I actually did an internship um, at an aerospace company. Um, I did two separate internships and one of them was three months at this aerospace company and they had me, uh, my whole job was to take an electronics enclosure, a little aluminium box, and figure out how hot it was going to get when it was sitting in, a, in this particular, it was, it was for a stealth fighter, Thing. it was awesome cool.
1: cool it does sound cool um, are you anyway, to tell me the yeah, stuff so is yeah, I, 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 I think it's okay uh, <laughs> don't
0: worry about, <laughs> don't worry about don't it, it. do worry there's dig- it. I was not going to give you any detail but basically it was, it was cool to figure that? out well how hot is this box going to get with a given amount of power being put into it which is then being expended as heat um, how hot will it get inside this box when it's sitting in sitting in this aircraft on the runway at full power but waiting to take off uh, for, okay. for an extended period of time yeah, so right. worst case scenario yep. and so I got to spend three months developing this little piece of software that would calculate
1: that oh, wow. uh,
0: for you, and and so I got to do all this very pretty detailed cool stuff. work in heat transfer. Oh, it was awesome! That ah. was that was the peak of my oh. uh, aerospace uh, <laughs> work. It pretty cool. Uh, uh, it, well, it was cool. No wings, but it did sound
1: well, pretty well, cool. Well, they
0: ended up using that, so they ran that software on on the design of the box they were using, and it was going to overheat. They flew in engineers from the UK to this is again this wow. is the highlight of my whole engineering career. Um, and so they flew <laughs> people in from the UK to assess my work, and then they changed the design because they recognised it wasn't it was going to get too hot. Okay, um, uh, and they still use it. This is the cool really? thing. Years later, I called my old boss, and um, and they're still using that little piece. Of that software. is pretty That's cool. Kind of cool. Well, speaking about heat, yes, were
1: you allowed to play with fires? As I remember
0: lighting my first match. No, inevitably. you don't. Really? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. So that's uh, that's huge. Fire is massive for me. Yeah. So I love making things yeah. and I like fire. Yeah, cool. Are seeing a link here? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about
1: to ask you why on earth would fight ovens. Yes. Yeah, well, get- well,
0: and how, so how? why would fight ovens, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: why would fight ovens? Because it could have been,
0: you know, making. Silver boxes. Vehicles or uh, silver boxes. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Right? And they're kind of fun. Yeah. So I graduated 2008. Uh, and some may remember 2008 um, as the start of the global financial yeah, crisis. So the places time. I'd done these internships and they'd actually expressed interest in hiring me, which right. is, I was super excited. Yeah, about, that's cool. right? I was mm. so excited. Mm. Uh, and so I remember thinking, you know, earlier on in 2008, I was, I was so keen to apply for these places and start that engineering career, you know, that I thought was out ahead of me. Uh, and then, you know, the later in the year, the crisis is really starting to take off. And uh, I, I I called my old boss from the internship, and and um, I said, oh, I'd love to apply. And he said, look, if you get another option, you should probably take it because it's looking pretty bad. They ended up firing 50% of their oh, engineers. Oh, did they? Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, so they had over 100 aerospace engineers hit the jobs market. And then the other place fired 35% of their workforce, and it was like, okay. Yeah, we need to think about got plan expi- B. <laughs> and, and so in terms of a graduate aerospace engineer, you need to think about a plan B at that yeah, point yes. because <laughs> oh. the market is flooded with experienced Aerospace engineers yep. looking for a job. Yeah, so grad positions just disappeared. They dried up. So I went into civil, okay. uh, civil construction. Okay. And anyway, as I was working in that field, so I was working in um, civil engineering, on site. And my dad built an oven at home with my little brother. Uh, did he? Yeah. So so he built this brick oven um, down in down in the yard, and it's just made out of old pressed red bricks. He um, what they'd done, they I don't know where they got the plans from, but basically just made a big pile of sand, big mound of sand, and, and he threw all the bricks over the top and mortared yep. it together, yep. and, um, and then he filled it. <laughs> he filled the cavity, so built the walls up. Yep, I think it was built on solid concrete. The stand was concrete. There was no insulation, um, at all. Uh, it was just bricks on a concrete stand, and then this brick dome, and then more sand over the top of it. Just lots and lots yep, of sand. Lots of sand. I think there were some bottles in there or something. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then capped it with some sheet metal or something. And um, and I remember I saw it and I was just, I was like, oh, I am, it was like a magnet. I, I was like, You're blown I away by have it. to build one of these. That is so cool. I have to do this. Yeah. Um, and no offence, dad, but I have to do it a little better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there's a problem with dad's That's oven. Awesome. And, and it was. And this is one of the reasons we put all our instructions online um, is to show you, hey, this is how you can build a, a good oven. You don't have to build one of ours, but if you follow our instructions and do your own, You'll end up with something that works really well because it uses all the right materials, and it's insulated and and so on. I went away thinking I've got to make one of these things. Uh, and so I ended up. Um, I started the process. Uh, I my dad um, uh, gave me a little bit of money for Christmas and um, said you should put this into. Building a wood fired oven. So I built, I got started. I built the stand. Okay.
1: All the money was gone. How old are you now? I am 30, nearly 40. Okay. I'm so close to 40. Okay. No. We, when your dad oh. helped you out?
0: Oh, that would have been 2010. Okay. So, oh, right. yeah. Okay. It's, it's right. a while back. Okay. I was younger. Yeah, I had yeah, more
1: yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't know. You got a, a gorgeous fluffy beard on of you. Beard. Yeah. yeah not you've a done lot very well. The there. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> um,
0: uh, <laughs> so, so I went away going, go, all right, I'm going to build this oven. I built the stand and all the money was gone. And so then I started looking around for fire bricks. I knew that we ne- I needed to use fire bricks and I needed all this high-temperature insulation and all these things. So I started trying to track all that down and it was just what I found was the companies that sold it, um, they were really set up to supply heavy industry. So they 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 would sell fire bricks but they'd sell container loads of fire bricks for building a smelter. Right. Or, or relining a smelter or something like that. They weren't really interested in little Ben coming in wanting his 100 bricks you know like and maybe a roll of insulation and, and so on and so i found that i was getting the prices that i was getting were just ferocious they were just wild and, and i was like I, I don't think i can afford to do this i tell you what I was this a so, business
1: idea at this stage or was no, this just for at this home? stage i just it's wanted just to build you. an oven at home oh, oh that's all gosh. i wanted to do
0: oh. and so i tell you what i came so close to not having this business really if i had found so i was looking on gum tree and eBay, trying to find like maybe I can find some used fire bricks, something that I could afford. Um, and I hunted and hunted and um, I'll tell you, if I had found them, I might have just bought them and then never started the business. Really? I've, I've not really thought a lot about it. Yeah, that, right. But if I had found 100 fire bricks of good quality at a reasonable price, I might have just bought them yeah. and then never gone any further, built the oven and not thought any more of it. In the end, I couldn't find what I wanted. I came so close to buying some, but I didn't buy them. And a friend of mine, um, Ashley, was importing beekeeping supplies. Right? Okay. He was, he was bringing in beekeeping supplies, um, so, so like honey extractors and things like that. Mm-hmm. He was importing them and selling them on eBay. And he said, dude, just import some fire bricks. Give that a go. Because they're just not made in Australia. So they're all all the fire bricks in Australia are imported. Okay. No one makes fire bricks. Okay. Sadly, it's sad. And so I wish we made fire bricks, but we don't have 10 acres of fire clay mine. Yep, and, sure. You know, it's not just not, not practical. It's not, it's, it's not yeah. practical, unfortunately.
1: So this is still just for your 100
0: bricks, for your own- This is for my 100. Well, well, yes yes, and no. At that point, I'd started getting to the point where I'm like, there's, there's not enough of these in the country. Like, there's not a good supplier of these. I might try and bring some in. So I am- um, I imported a pallet of fire bricks. I learned some very painful lessons about <laughs> local port charges. Oh really? Oh my goodness! Uh, local port charges if in you, Melbourne. If you've ever imported something, the, the 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 material itself, you know, you might get a little pallet of something in, say, from Thailand, and you say two hundred dollars. It's delivered all the way to the port of Melbourne, and you've got a pallet of bricks, let's say, um, for, for argument's sake, two hundred bucks. Then by the time you leave the dock you've paid another $800. Oh, my so god! Like, anyway, anyway, the that's a whole ticket. thing. Oh, right? but uh, contention. Uh, it's oh, it's just how it is. Yep. Um, okay. so, so anyway, also, you probably shouldn't put 1.6 tons in the back of a highlighter. <laughs> <plate. laughs>
2: no, um, that's another story, that? and that definitely oh. didn't happen. Uh, oh, no, uh,
0: All the way down the, the M3. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> um. So I got this pallet of bricks home. Put them in the garage and I was going to build the oven with them and I thought you know what I'm just going to put these on eBay just put it I'll, I'll just list one on eBay and yeah. just you know see See them. See if, see if they all sold in like five days really the whole pallet was gone really? and I went okay oh there's something here there, there's there's here's here's a a bit of this could be a possibility so then as an engineer we love spreadsheets <laughs> right? so I made a spreadsheet <laughs> and, and I and I started figuring out all right how many bricks would we need yeah. to bring in what are the costs like we, we need a warehouse etc um and yeah, I so so anyway, I, I ended up bringing the materials and I, I brought in all the materials that I needed to build my own oven. And so the, the initial idea for the business was we called it the Melbourne Firebrick Company. And the idea was to s- sell firebricks in Melbourne. That's why it's called the Melbourne Firebrick. Oh,
2: well, there you go. It's a
0: very I was wondering. It's a name yeah. made for search engine optimization. Yeah, what yeah. <laughs> we didn't really um, that yeah. yeah so so we wanted to when you googled Firebricks Melbourne. You Ed found us, right? right. Um, and and so that's you tracked us down. Well, and that, and look, honestly, that's what we did for the first nearly two years. Was we sold raw materials to is people wanting to build wood
1: fire okay. ovens? And is this while you were still a civil, a civil engineer working at? Yes, I was a Fulton Hogan. Uh, so I started
0: with Fulton Hogan. By that stage, um, by the stage of starting the the wood fire oven adventure, I was with Abbey Group, okay, which is now Lend Lease. Okay, I got bought out by Lendlease. And, and what do they do? Uh so they do. Big projects, okay. Um, so freeways, okay. Think freeways, think massive bridges. Um, so the project that I was on with Abbey Group, so when I started the business, I was working for Abbey Group, I'd been a civil engineer at that stage maybe for five years, I think, something like that. Uh, four or five years, and I was uh on the Peninsula Link Freeway project. So it's a Twenty-kilometer freeway with twenty-seven bridges or okay. something. It's it's a it was a cool project. Yeah, something. yeah. Um, and so I was working as a site engineer there. And so a site engineer is someone who goes out on site, gets all muddy, looks at the work that people are doing, and okay. says, "That's good. That's good. That's no good. I, okay. I can't sign this off. You have to." So I would be checking things before they were they were poured. Let's say in concrete quality I,
1: control. then.
0: effectively, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was working full time as an engineer. And on my weeknights and my weekends, I was trying to sell fire bricks and and, and trying to build up this little business. Yeah, right. But so I, I've gotten the order a little bit mixed up. But basically I got my first container of bricks came and I started selling those. But at the, in the background, I'm building my oven at home. Yeah. Um, because I've got all this materials now. And I I built the oven and I I had a brilliant time. Did it you? was awesome. It was, it was great fun. Like I got, I even bought a brick saw. I bought it what on. I got on Gumtree. I bought Gumtree. a secondhand brick saw. <laughs> You're gonna hear a lot about Gumtree yeah, and a few other little yeah, online efforts. There's, on uh, there's a yeah. few other auction
1: sites that I'm partial Perhaps, to. Uh, uh, that you'll, yeah, you'll hear about. We, we might um, talk about that on and, the next episode. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> And, and, and um, so I, I bought this brick saw because I was like, "Well, if I rent one, they're like 120 bucks a day. Yeah, I'm right. gonna need this for weeks. Oh. So I bought one oh. thinking I'll sell it at the end. I buy the brick saw and I start cutting bricks and making this oven and i honestly had a terrific time i have done lots of hands on projects yeah. i think that's why like it's who i am yes. is i love projects involved in making stuff i just like making yeah, stuff i don't great. really mind what the stuff is yeah. i just love but you're stuff. real creative
1: like that aren't you i'm, yeah. I'm not artistic yeah. so i'm not like musically creative yeah. but i hang hey, on like you were singing before yeah, but we, I didn't that, mics, we didn't record that we didn't record that no you didn't but i no, no, have no record of it you don't <laughs> but i heard it. i'm not Oh, yeah. you don't <laughs> no, know I, wasn't. <laughs> I, I, like, I love
0: making things yeah. I love making things with my hands and so i had done look I've done car restorations I've done all kinds of other mm-hmm. sort of hands on projects before mm-hmm. but building the oven was something different Yeah, it, it was, was brilliant oh. because it one of the things with it is it's very forgiving mm-hmm. so if you lay a brick wrong take it off mm-hmm. lay it again mm-hmm. just crape, scrape the mortar off it and try again it's not like permanent um, you can you can fix your mistakes, yeah. uh, which is something that I love about it. But I don't know. There's something – I remember pulling out my very first bit of formwork. I made my arch. And so the opening to the ovens, it was a semicircular arch back then. And I remember so clearly like pulling that formwork out and the whole thing stayed there. Yes. It stayed there. Yeah. Non- Engineering-wise, I know it's going to stay there. It's in pure compression. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. But I it, it's, a, it's one thing to know it in yeah. the back of it, but to actually feel it and see yeah. it. I think I would call it like a mug of tea moment. Okay. Uh, you know, something or you, you know, like it's just this moment where you sit back with a cup of tea
1: and you oh, admire your work. That's really cool.
0: And, it's, and it and it had the project had just so many of those moments. That's really where you get a cup of tea or a beer yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you sit back and just go, oh, that's that's satisfying. That's awesome.
2: That's really sad.
0: Like you know, even just laying a row of bricks for the dome, mm. you know, clean them all up and see how neatly they're laid. I had built a very, very rustic trammel tool at that point. Um, it was made of, <laughs> oh, I don't know, there's wood and like uh, there was all there was a F clamp in there. It was a, it was a mess. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Um, anyway.
1: Well, the trammel uh, tools that you now put in the kits are amazing. Uh, so I've got the D105 from you and uh, that trammel tool – Amazing, easy to use, easy to do. It was it was a lot of fun.
0: The travel tool is still my favorite. Like in terms of component of the ovens, yeah. that's my favorite oh, thing. It's great. It's just it just it works. Yeah, uh, and it is it's super satisfying. Yeah, it's, it's so so I, bu- I built this oven, and and the satisfaction of building it was just brilliant. I loved it, and I thought to myself at that point, I thought this is great fun, but geez, it's hard work. Mm. Like cutting all the bricks. Man, I was cutting bricks until 11 o'clock at night. Oh, you man. Should, um, <coughs> Your neighbours would have loved you. Yeah. Oh, n- not really. <laughs> no, well, my neighbour was building a brick oven at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some – but I'm pretty sure there were several other neighbours who may yeah, not have
1: appreciated no, it. No, <laughs> um, to be a diamond saw, wouldn't it?
0: Well, yeah, noisy. diamond saw. Yeah, but they're incredibly loud. Yeah. Um, like if you've ever cut bricks before, it's yeah. one of the highest pitch sounds that you can make. Yep. And there's dust and slurry mm. and it's just a mess. Yep. And it's time consuming. Yep. Um, and so I, I built this oven. I cut all the bricks myself. And I loved it, but I thought this is a very limited market. The, the number of people who, if you took the entire, look at the whole population and say, all right, out of that population, who wants to build a brick oven? And, you you know, maybe there's, well, here's Mark. All right, we got one. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but you've got a percentage. Let, let's call it, say, 5%. And then you say, all right, out of that 5%, how many of those would have the willingness and the skill to do it all from scratch? Mm. Just- got buy a bunch of bricks and cut them to size. Now you're coming down to a very small percentage. And so I thought, well if I could make a kit where all the bricks are cut to size and all of the really hard work is done, mm. but you still get the fun of assembling it, then you've got then I said maybe then we'll have a product. Yeah. So I
1: started working on it. Okay.
0: Um and I started with CAD. Started yep. with drawing everything in in uh, on the computer, computer aided design.
2: Yes. Um
0: and I I drew the whole, the D105 was our first oven, and I drew it in 3D. I modeled every brick um, in 3D so I could see how they interacted with each other, see how they fit together, see how tight I could get the joints. Yeah, right. What I was trying to figure out was all right, let's say the dome, we look at the dome. How many different types of brick do I need to keep the joints nice and tight without having a brick for every single row? Yeah. Because the bricks change as you go up. Yes, they the do. angle, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And, and so through the modelling, I was able to figure out, right, This I can use this number of bricks, and, and we use them in different um, uh, sequences. So, you know, you have a type 1, a type 2, a type 3, mm-hmm. a stagger, and, you know, your first four rows are type 1s. But then you your, your fifth row is type 1, type 2, type 1, type 2, type 1, type 2, and it keeps all the joints tight.
1: Yeah, right. Anyway. Yeah. So what's the advantage of keeping these joints nice and tight? Okay. Less mortar? Is that what we, we're, we're aiming it's, for?
0: It's, it's – where it actually stems from originally was – The refractory mortars are designed for three millimeter joints max. Mm. That's that's where normal refractory mortars are designed for very very tight joints. Um, And part of the idea of that was, if the mortar deteriorated over a long period of time, let's say twenty years, the mortar is trapped in a wedge, and it doesn't have a big opening on the face for the mortar to fall out. Right. right? And so that was uh, that's why like the the oven's in Pompeii, yeah, uh, like, gorgeous. which I think you visited. Oh, I have. Have you been there yourself? No, no, I have No, you no. must. Oh, okay. I mean, they're
1: gorgeous. Yeah. They're yeah. Just very special. Well,
0: and they're, they're still standing because they would have put that effort into mm. tight joints yeah, so sure. that, um, you know, over that period of time, if the mortar deteriorated, which the mortar that they would have had probably has, they're still held together because everything's so tight. Mm. Um, what we've done, we technically, this is interesting, I haven't really talked about this with many people, but oh, yeah. we don't need to do tight joints anymore. The mortar that I've developed it took me 12 months of testing to create a refractory mortar that can we can have in a 75 mil wide joint. Really? Three inch. Three inch. Yeah, yeah, we could do a three that's inch. huge. Joint. It's massive. Wow. So so it's so we don't actually have to do tight joints anymore, but they're pretty. They look great. They look really nice. Oh, and, and there's do. something Wow, that's amazing. There, there's something, it's very, it's attractive. Yeah. When you look inside of them. Joints oh. are all nice and tight. The other thing though is if you're a lot of your your listeners may not have laid brick, and I'd never laid. Bricks I hadn't before laid I brick started, before, right? No, first time. If you're trying to lay bricks with a mortar bed, yeah. so let's say you're after like a three eighths or ten millimeter bed, um, it's actually quite hard mm. um, because the brick wants to. It's soft. You've got to get the consistency of the mortar perfect. The brick wants to move around on you. If you're laying the bricks. Such that it's brick on brick. Yeah. Well, you can't get it wrong. You just and that's why I love the trammel. You put a brick in the trammel, you bring it down and you rub yeah. until you hear it rubbing on the brick Against underneath. The, it. Yeah, that's right. And then You're done. it's it's done. And but the thing is, if you do that constantly, you stay level all the way up. You don't start wandering and getting a bit mm. off on the mm. you it it actually, so there's a practical element to it. So in answer to your question, why keep the joints tight? In the back in the day, you had to. Yeah with the mortar that we have now we don't have to but we do it because it actually makes it's it easy to, to build and it's so
1: oh clean. it is it is it is yeah. pretty i love standing out the front of my oven with the fire raging glowing up the back of the brick i just for i'd love refractory bricks. they're just gorgeous mm. and the bricks that you use i mean they are they they are gorgeous the colors bouncing with the flames it's just it's mm. just lovely but the joints the lines are they are just so delightful to look at.
0: It's something I think that there's this, again. It comes back to that satisfaction thing, and it's ongoing. Like you know, there's a satisfaction building it, but then you sitting in front of your oven. Oh yeah. Years later, yeah. and you're looking inside at your brickwork yeah. and
1: how neat it I is. I know. I know. And it's great. just lovely. It is, it yeah, is yeah. great. Not all of your ovens are brick, though. Correct. And uh, you have told me that you you had experience in uh, your days as a civil engineer mm. uh, in in these precast yards. Is that right? So yeah. T- tell us a little bit about oh, so, that.
0: Okay, so. This, um, this is an interesting one. I, so I was working for Abbey Group and I was uh, on the Mornington Peninsula Freeway project. My job was I was given the position of um, a precast engineer. Yep. So There's about $23 million worth of precast concrete being made for the project. So there's a lot. Um, and think about like super T beams. So if you drive under a bridge uh, and you look up, you'll see these beams. And that's what the bridge is made up of. This is these heavily reinforced uh, concrete beams. Um, But bridge barriers, piles, uh, anything to do with precast concrete, that was my responsibility. I had to make sure that it was being done on time and then it was being done properly. So I had to go and do all the QA checking and everything. And so I spent a huge amount of time in this precast yard in in Melton, which is uh, sort of west of Melbourne. Um, It's a solid drive uh, from where I lived. I think it was uh, about an hour and a half drive or something. But I was spending lots of time rather than spending time on site, yeah. where all my friends were. So the guys that I was working with, they were on site, man. They were doing, so they were doing the bridges. Their responsibility. So they're was doing work. the cool stuff. They were doing what I considered the cool yeah. stuff, right? And I remember thinking, man, they're getting to do this, this cool work, which is obviously going to help their career. You could see that the experience that they got is a three or four-year project. And they were going to go from site engineer to mm-hmm. project engineer or PE up to project management or whatever but me in the precast role i was just thinking man this is not this doesn't really have a great impact on my resume as as a civil engineer which is sort of this this career i found myself in and i was a bit down about it if i'm honest mm. so i remember being at this dusty precast yard in melton and just thinking what am i doing here like how does this how is this helping me in the long run? How is this experience, what is this experience actually going to do for me in the long run? Like I'm, I'm wasting my time here, you know, like all my friends are they're moving forward. They're climbing the uh, civil engineering ladder and here's (laughs) me, you know, staring at at, uh, precast concrete. What I wasn't aware of and what I am so grateful for now is that I was getting this three year experience this like this teaching in how to precast concrete and you say well why like who cares like great you 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 know about precast concrete well refractory castable is is concrete it's a different form of concrete so refractory castable is basically think of it as high temperature concrete it's it's funny when i say that i don't don't think it's like red hot concrete (laughs) uh like glowing (laughs) and we pour it like glowing orange um it's 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 normal looking sort of concrete but it can handle temperatures up to like the, the material we use goes to 1,300 degrees Celsius. Wow, well, that's awesome. hot. Yeah, so a bit over-engineered for me. Wow. It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. anyway, I remember, so I was out on this yard and just saying, what am I doing? What I didn't know was I was just getting all the groundwork for setting up my own precast yard, which which is something that I'm going to be showing you. you yeah. Know? And Because the fire bricks are fantastic, but um, if you're trying to make an entire oven using only fire brick, it's very limiting. Mm. Um, they are already you know pre-made shapes if you mm-hmm. want to say that mm-hmm. um, and if you're trying to make say a flue gathering i call it a flue gallery but if you're trying to make uh, a weird shape yep. out of brick man you better It's be very brick difficult. Store. It's it's hard. Yeah. Um whereas refractory castable refractory concrete uh you can make into any shape you want. You just have to be able to make the mould.
1: Yeah, right. And then
0: you need to know what to do. So you need to be able to vibrate
1: Mm. your
0: your castable, your concrete. If you vibrate that, then you'll get all the voids out of it. It will fill the mould completely. So you can have a really complex mould. And you're pouring in this quite thick concrete, this castable. It's it's not runny. It's not like soup. You don't want it to be like a soup because then it's very weak. You want it to be this really stiff. Yeah porridge let's say (laughs) yeah right um and then in order to get that to flow through the mold well you've got to vibrate it and that was like that was one like small thing that i learned like how to make a shaker table yeah um but then all of the other things like the processes of pouring stripping cleaning reset pour strip clean like being able to setting up gantry cranes setting up all of these things like i got this amazing experience from something that at the time i was ungrateful for.
1: isn't that amazing though Mm. you just you wouldn't have picked it.
0: Wouldn't have picked it. If you'd given me the option of, like, oh Ben, we'll chuck you on that bridge instead, I would have said, yeah, yeah, awesome, go for it. I was <laughs> not given that option, despite asking. Um, and I'm glad. I'm, I'm honestly glad that 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 happens. So.
1: Oh, so that that forms a very interesting link from your your engineering aerospace days to why why we're sitting in a series of seven factories here. I'm looking forward to the factory tour. I'm sure there's a lot to talk about. With that as well, there is yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, d- discuss briefly uh, how the business has changed in since 2011 uh, when yes. it was probably just yourself. Yep. And today, well, I've already met quite a few of your s- lovely staff here. Yes. So tell the listeners h- how it's changed, sure. Because you're no longer a tiny, small one man band. Well, are you? yeah, and
0: I, I was for ages though. Like, so for the first, so I'll try and do a quick history, um, if you will indulge me. Yeah, um, So, so we, so I started off working full time, like working full time at Abbey Group, and I've got. Fire bricks and refractory insulation, and so on. And I'm selling that to people on my weekends and after work um, so they could build their oven at home. And I did that for about two straight years. Um, the the, the Link Freeway project was still going. And so I worked on that um, until, until it, basically until it finished. And in the meantime, I'm building the business in the background because if I just dropped work, And jumped into this business sure lots of time to try and get the business going it's a big risk well i didn't have the money yeah like uh i didn't have this huge bank balance that i'm like sweet i don't have to work for yeah for a a year or two i can just you know indulge this passion for this business so instead i just i worked full-time um uh, as an engineer and um i i did everything i could um on the business um just So I was, you know, I'd come home from work and I'd work on the website and I'd, I'd work on like the design of the oven and you know eventually get some sleep and (laughs) I did, I I did, I would say I worked very hard. Yeah. For for those, you must have lived
1: on a lot of coffee.
0: There was a fair bit of coffee. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, um, But so then after two years, so the project finished up, and I was like awesome. Like the timing of it was actually really good. I was like sweet. I can go full time doing the business. Um, And at that stage was still predominantly selling the raw materials um, and uh, I got a call from actually from the the precast yard that I'd been monitoring they were looking for a project manager for six months um, to fill in for them I had a great time working there for six months and that that again that sort of helped me help me not have to rely on the business yeah. for my income nice which which just hobbles it hmm. because you have no cash flow to reinvest into say equipment or or more material I swear for the first four years, I would, I would, I would get fire bricks in, and I'd sell them, sell them, sell them, sell them, and I'd run out, and I'd have the new, the next order. I'd just get the money for the next order, yes. sort of towards the end of that, uh. and I'd get the next order on the way, but I'd have run out, <laughs> and I'd, and I'd be saying to people, "Oh, it's coming, it's coming, like just in a month, you know." Like, and I was, I remember just thinking, "One day, I'll, one day, I'll actually have stock here. You know, <laughs> that will be really good." And so after, so after about two and a half years, um, it was, it was going pretty well, um, and my dad. Um, said, look, like he'd been sort of watching on and coaching me and helping me with. I owe him so much. Oh, man. bless you. Uh, uh, Like mm. he's he's a legend. And he um he would do all our accounts and everything. He said, look, I think you things are going reasonably well. I'll, I'll like I'll give you a bit of a loan and let's get let's get a bunch of bricks in because I like nice. can see you're just running out. Yeah, time. yeah. So we did that and uh, amazing, like that was just an absolute blessing. So, um, got those in and, and finally had stock, and then we started. Developing that oven kit and really focusing on the D one hundred and five, the D one hundred and five, and that was that was our our flagship. That was our first um, pre cut brick oven kit, and man, that was a process of development. Eh? Like, I bet it was. I mean, I I drawn the model, but then you know the process of making. I remember. Um, um I won't give you his address or anything. No, I don't. But that no. was no. that was my very. First, you can bleep <laughs> out the name if you want. No. Uh, but he he lived uh, nearby. Let's say um, like he was. And he he was my very first customer. Was he? Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I clearly remember where he lives. I won't tell you. Oh. Uh, but no, I remember I remember um he got he got our very first brick up, but it was basic then. The, the floor tiles were cut, uh, the calcium silica board was sort of marked out, um, the dome bricks were cut and the entry arch and everything was done. The the, the formwork was um made in chipboard. Um was and this, it had no, this is interesting. If you look at our formwork for making those arches, it's got these lines on it on the sides. The little three millimeter thick lines, and that's to show you where to put your joins. Uh-huh. We well, the very first one did not have that. Okay. And so I, I gave him this formwork and everything. And No, no, <laughs> no instructions. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't been no able to write any instructions. No YouTube videos. But he didn't care. He was like no, Like he was like, no, no, I can I've got this. Like he he knew what he wanted to yeah, build. He yeah. was already he was gonna do it all himself. Yeah. But I said, Hey, how about I I'll cut all the bricks for you. I just want your feedback. Like, um, like let me know how it goes and, and so on. So anyway, he built his own. I remember coming out to see it and he'd done a great job. <laughs> did but he? Yeah. It was a little bit lopsided. Like oh, I could it? see the vent arch, like the, the the joints were just a bit thicker yeah. on the right than the left. And I thought, ah, right. Uh-huh. I need to, I, there was, and that was like one of the first things I thought, ah, there's an improvement. I need to put these lines on the formwork so that people know. Yes. Keep the, the joints level, right? And if you don't have that on there, how do you do it? Yeah, you're, you're making yeah, it up as you go. Yeah.
1: How and did you, you get to the P eighty five? Because if you started with the yeah. with the with the D one hundred five, if you yeah. Yeah. so how long into the business was it before you started it was doing? Years. Yeah, 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 yeah it was long years. time.
0: So so it was. Uh, I think it was about twenty fifteen. Okay. Um, when I started thinking about the P eighty five, the precast oven, I'd been selling. There was, a, there, was a, there was another local manufacturer who was making a precast oven. It was a finished unit. It was big, it was heavy. Um, it was it was well made. Um, and I thought, well, I'll offer that. And and they were they were quite popular. Um, and so I could see there was a market for a smaller, like a more compact oven that heated up a bit faster.
1: And um So why not make that out of works?
0: Well, that's the thing, is the thickness of the the dome. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make a an oven with a small footprint, you need to think about wall thickness. Yep. All right, so let's let's look at the D105. You've got If you look at a cross-section of the dome, so you're looking from above Mm -hmm. and you're looking, all right, how thick is the wall of this thing? You've got 115 mil or four four and a half inches of fire brick. Um, Then you have 50 mil of ceramic fibre blanket and then you have 50 mil of perlite render. Mm. So you've got 215 mil of wall, right? Then you put a, you know, you've got an internal space of the dome, let's say 105 centimetres. Then you've got another 215 mil of wall, all of a sudden, your oven's, 4, you know, 1,450 mil wide. It's 1,430, yeah. sorry. It's big yeah. on the outside. Mm. And big part of that is the wall thickness. Now, if I exaggerate and I say, well, I was able to make the wall of the oven paper thin, well, you could have an internal diameter of a metre and an external diameter of 1,001 millimetres. You know, yes. like, yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so <laughs> the thinner you can make the wall, the more compact the oven becomes. Okay. However, there's obviously limitations to that. We don't want to make a paper thin wall. That would be bad. Um, So, with the pre-cast oven, what we've done is instead of four and a half inches or 115 mil of fire brick, we have 65 mil of refractory castable. Okay. But then we have the same insulation, 50 mil of ceramic fiber blanket, and 50 mil of render. Right. So, we've saved 50 mil there and we save 50 mil on the other side.
1: So now, so surely there must be cheaper for you to manufacture. It's
0: five times more expensive.
1: <laughs> You're joking. Uh, fire bricks are really expensive. Uh, so, okay, okay. Let me say. So a, a fire brick um,
0: is is what's called a shaped refractory. So it's in a finished shape. So you've got a like a tile, let's say that's a, a shaped refractory. Refractory castable is an unshaped refractory. You okay. Add water, you mix it up, and you can make it into any shape you want. Okay. You just need the mold. Right. Well. Turns out that it, that's quite a high-tech material still. Even in this day and age, that's still a high-tech material. It is expensive right? Um, because it's versatile. Yeah, okay, uh, right. And so uh, the last time I did the maths on it, I found that to make – if you said, all right, Ben, I've got this tile. Um, it's, you know, a foot by a foot and it's two inches thick. Um, it would cost me five times. That's unbelievable. The, the fire brick costs yeah, right. to make it in casting. Okay. Right. and that's without the labor cost. It's just it's very
1: expensive. Do you, you ever see a point in time in this business in the future where you will uh, do away with the bricks and just go to the castable?
0: No, because well, I think there's always going to be a demand for like people like yourself. Oh, I love my bricks. You love the bricks, right? Oh, jeez. And so we've done. If for those you know listening who who maybe haven't um sort of seen much of our, our material, mm. like jump on our website. We've got lots and lots of you videos do. and stuff. What's and, your website uh, you address? www.melbournefirebricks.com.au. Yeah, it's a great site. Beautiful or website. the new website soon, which is coming out very soon, will be www.thefirebrickco.com au. Okay. Or dot .com wow. or
1: oh. slash nz. Okay, and we'll leave... All those links in the show notes. So many links. There's lots of links there. uh, <laughs> you, know, well, you have a fabulous YouTube channel as well. And well,
0: uh, One of the videos that's on there is this brick versus precast video. Uh, and you're right asking, you video. know, do you think there's ever going to be a time when you just, you give away the brick and you just go all the precast? And I think it's interesting. Like we look at, uh, we're selling ovens in America, right? Yeah. So we've gone from, and I've jumped forward a long way in our history now, that's but okay. we went from selling them, selling them in Australia. We, we started selling them in America. Uh, and to date, I think we've sold somewhere around, maybe it might be 450 ovens in America.
1: Really? We started in 2016. Oh, that's so, staggering. Yeah. So, um, Congratulations. That's great. Thank Christ. you. Yeah. That's, it's really yeah. exciting. I it is. And yeah. they,
0: it's yeah, so much fun. So one of the things that people ask is, well, what, isn't someone over there doing it? Like it's America. There's 300 million people. Everything is not it someone else making America? wood fight ovens? Yeah. On? And they are, but they're actually doing exactly what you said. Not all of them. But most of them are doing exactly what you described. They're making pre cast ovens, but they're entirely pre cast. So they may have a fabric, say, floor, but all of the dome is just is cast. And so it, it goes together. It literally slaps together. Yeah. I don't speak ill of like competition. Yeah. I, no, competition of is great.
1: But oh, absolutely.
0: Those ovens, it, they kind of look that way. They look like they've just slapped together. Um, and that's one of the things that I like about ours is while the dome of our oven, the pre cast oven, it's four pieces that lock together. Yep, you can you can slap it together. Yep, the front of the oven is all fire brick, and you've got this nice flue gallery. And, yeah. and so when you look at the front of the oven, you see those hand laid bricks yeah. that you lay. Yeah, and you haven't laid them perfectly, yeah. and that's okay. It is that's absolutely part of it. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. And, and and so to answer your question, will we do away with bricks? No, because there will always be a demand for that authenticity. Yeah, and and so. Okay, maybe we'll make lots of our our precast ovens, but even the brick ovens where they're all brick, so many people want to build something that's really authentic Mm. and there's nothing more authentic like in terms of cooking than than a brick oven, a whole brick oven. Oh, absolutely.
1: And I challenge any listener out there, go to Pompeii, see the – Two thousand year old brick ovens come back and 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 not want a brick oven. It's uh, ah, you you you're gonna you're gonna change my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was just. Yeah I love my Roman history but seeing that stuff still standing imagining the the thousands of people that must have been walking past that oven buying their breads maybe even buying other foods from these brick mm. ovens mm. it's it's pretty special and and yeah I think you've captured the romance in these wonderful D105s uh, yeah. incredibly you've done a great job no, with it's it a, it's something that
0: yeah I, I love yeah. I I, yeah. I and it got me it yeah. got me 100% I'm like I, I saw the fire dancing over the brick of my very first oven. Yeah. And I was, about I was hooked. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and look, I love our precast ovens. Yeah. I absolutely love them. And they are actually very, very practical. They've got a quicker heat up time. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, there's some real benefits yeah. to the precast oven yep. over the brick ovens. Um, but And it looks yeah. amazing.
1: Downstairs, when I walked in, and I haven't been here before, I walked into your uh, your reception area downstairs. You've got a, well, just inside there, you've got a P85 and a D105 next door. Uh, and they both look stunning. They are, yeah, they really are quite something. And and the precast, looking through into the back of it, it's gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous. It's oh, not brick, but it is still gorgeous. And look, a lot. Of, this is an interesting thing. I am very. I'm an engineer. I'm super practical. Yeah.
0: Right? Uh, when the fire is burning, you're looking at the fire. Yeah. Yes, it's. Yeah. Da- it might be dancing over a brick, but
1: come on, I look bricks, at the brick. I know, sorry, like ben, you're I'm you're a super <laughs> romantic guy. Like, <laughs> I'm but, but, romantic. Like, but, but, but this is the thing. Like, um, like.
0: You'll you will be looking at that yeah. fire rolling oh. over the surface, and hey, whether it's a smooth casting yeah. or the bricks, oh, it's, good. It, it's um it is something to consider. And that's so in the videos that we did a video called Brick versus Precast, and we go through all the differences. Because yeah. the first pe- thing people want to know is well, well, which which one should I buy? Absolutely, which one is better? Yeah, uh, is one better? And what's the answer to that? Uh, and and the answer is well, neither is better but one might be better for you yeah. is that that's, that's I think the best way of thinking about it. So if you uh, are looking for an oven that has a really quick heat up time yep. and you're, and you're wanting um, you, you don't have two and a half hours to wait for it to, to heat up, then maybe the precast oven might be better to look at.
1: Um, so you so the D105. We'll, yes. I mean, we'll go into deep dive well, okay. on the factory tour, but the D105 give or take two and a half hours to heat up, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, your P85 one hour and fifteen.
0: minutes. That's quick. And so this is that's this, really quick.
1: In this video, I go through all the
0: differences. Right? There's like seven,
1: yeah.
0: um, and you know you've got the difference in the heat up time. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the difference in the cool down time; those are the big ones, I think. But then you've got the aesthetic, and what's interesting is I bring up all these points. So you've got the aesthetic of the oven; you've got the type of stand that you need to build to support it. The brick oven needs a reinforced concrete slab as yep. the bench top. The P eighty five precast doesn't. Need yeah, that. right. Um, you, you've got the physical size, um, and what's really interesting is, like, say if we look at the aesthetic, some people see the brick, and and you're one of these people. Yes, I am. Right? <laughs> uh, who who will say that's it? That's I, I must have that. Whereas other people are like no, I like that. That's really nice. But uh, no, actually, the the um, the fact that this thing heats up in an hour and fifteen minutes. Well, that's more important. Yeah, to me, absolutely. You know? And so what's it's fun? I, I, Jeremy's our sales manager, and um, I, uh, I, I he's more customer support, not really sales. I told him when I employed him, I said you don't really have to do sales. People will just ring up and buy them. Oh, like, it's, it's it's they'll sell them You don't you don't have to push them on yeah, anybody. But no. what I want you to do is I want you to make sure that everybody who buys one buys the right one for them. Don't try and upsell them to the bigger oven. Do yep. not do that. That's mm. not what we do not do that. In fact, if you ring up and try and buy the D one thirty, I was going to ask you, we, should I
1: put a D one thirty in my backyard? We will my actively
0: joke? try and talk <laughs> you out of it. Right, we will we will we will. Firstly, we'll ask. It's a beast. Is it? For commercial purposes. <laughs> and if you say no, we'll say, are you sure you really you need the D130? That's a monster oven. It's got a four, I think it's four and a half hour heat up time. Is it and really? That, and that the older. problem with that is it's this big hurdle in between you and wood-fired cooking. Yeah. So let's exaggerate. Let's say the oven took 36 hours to heat up. Oh, exactly right. right. It's, and and I find exaggerating is actually a terrific way of understanding things. It's 36 hours to, call, you, you, to heat up. You will use it um, for very big occasions. Yes. You plan it way in advance, and you'll once put, every four years, right? But you'll use it, but it'll be for the big occasions. Yeah, yeah. So the longer the heat up time is, so the, the well the shorter we can make that, the more likely you are to use it often. Yep. Um And so for us, the D one hundred five two and a half hours is is a while, but that's still achievable. That that's still manageable. Whereas like four and a half hours, yeah, hour. okay. I tell you, like. Yeah, you're going to fire it up and cook that whole lamb, you know, on Easter weekend, let's say. But when three friends are coming over yeah, for, for some tea, tapas for, or some for, 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 for something, are you going to go to the effort of of burning mm. sixty kilos of firewood four and a half hours before they get there? I'd say maybe maybe you won't. And and so for 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 us, and and what I've told Jeremy is, I, I want to make sure that every customer gets the best oven for them, and and it's because if you do, then you will love it, and if you love it, then you'll tell your friends about it. So I'm ultimately very selfish. Right? Well, that's okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, no, if, if you end up with the right oven for you, you'll love it and you'll use it all oh, the yeah, time. Absolutely. And that's the best thing for the oven is to be to, to get used.
1: It is. And we'll be right back. If you're enjoying this episode, I'd like to invite you to head on over to Facebook and join my Fired Oven Chronicles Facebook group. Join hundreds and hundreds of wood-fired oven enthusiasts from all around the world as they share their favorite recipes, tips, and techniques to supercharge all of our wood-fired oven cooking skills. Head on over to Instagram as well, marks underscore oven, for more information on this podcast. Okay, back to the show. Now, I haven't finished
0: telling you the whole, our, our history.
1: Okay. Do you want we me to want. go back?
0: Yeah. Okay, so so... I what did I do? So I um, I started um, making the wood fired oven kits, um, and so and just constantly improving those, like yep. big steps in the improvement because mm. it was so basic to start with. So after Brett Stevens' oven went out, I made some changes, and I'd, every customer would give me feedback. I'd, I'd say, just give me the feedback. I need to. What, how was it? Don't just tell me it was good. A lot of them they go, it was great. I'm like, I'm awesome. Like that's that's really good. But how could we, how could we improve? Yep. We still ask for that now. Because I love getting the positive feedback. Don't mm. get me wrong. I don't hate being told that uh, they've enjoyed themselves. Yeah, yeah. But if someone has a suggestion for improvement, I'm all ears. Yeah, great. Because that's how we improve. Mm. Is customers are, they're like, you know, they're giving us a perspective on it that I can't get. Yeah. Because I've been, in, I'm too close to yeah, it Yeah, absolutely. Now. So anyway, um, we get all that feedback and we're continuously improving the D105 and building that. And then the idea to make a precast oven comes up and I start working on that. And- I think one of the things that we we're chatting about before yeah. off camera yeah. you'll say how long did it take yeah. to develop that I drew it in CAD it only took me about a week to do the 3d modeling right only only yeah, yeah that's, right that's it. fine like you know, not, it's it's relatively and that's of my spare time that's not not like full-time there was no full-time of anything <laughs> I, I was full-time <laughs> in the business like was it, I was full-time geez. in the business then but geez I was up to my elbows in everything. Still. Yeah, um, wasn't like I had everyone everything be done for me. So anyway, in all the spare time, I, I drew. I drew this probably you know my weeknights after work. Yeah, that's right, in front of the telly with the laptop. Gosh. So I drew the three D model, and then I started to make to take it from a, an idea on the screen into parts. How do we do that? And so I cut the model into four millimeter layers. And spread them out, so it's called contouring. Okay. And so you take a three D part and you slice it into layers, and you spread the layers out on the screen and you label each one. And then I sent that off to a friend who had a CNC router and oh. he cut those parts out of four millimetre MDF. Oh wow! And we laid them all up on top of each other, and they had like guide holes. To it took it took weeks to Goodness do this. Me. So we laid this thing up, but now it's you can imagine it's made out of MDF. And imagine. Imagine the pre-cast oven with no insulation or anything. Imagine those parts, but they're made out of MDF and they're all stepped, four mil steps. Yep. Right? Because it's four mil thickness. It's rough. Well, so then the real work started of hand sanding and, and bogging. So bog is like a body filler um, using fiberglassing automotive industry. So you would, you would apply this, this bog, this body filler, and then let it set and then start sanding sanding and sanding and so like the the tongue and groove joints yep i think they took me like three weeks did they just to, just to get those right it was it was i remember and i remember hand sanding oh, it boy, and i remember just thinking oh my goodness there's so much work but yeah. it's, it's going to be so worth it yeah it's gonna be so worth it but right now it's, it's not- a lot of work oh my gosh um and, and so anyway made these so sanded and and finessed these parts and then um we had them spray painted yep. so a friend of mine. Uh, it was a spray painter. So he painted them a lovely white two-pack gloss. And then we started – so then we had basically – we had the parts, but they're made out of MDF. Now, you can't make a wood fart out of MDF. wouldn't last long. No, I don't think so. No. Um, so what we had to do was we had to take fiberglass molds off okay. those parts, and you have to nail that. You have to get it right. Is If you don't, you you when you're in the process of taking the fiberglass parts off of those, you will destroy them. They will not be the same.
1: Okay. You can wax
0: them as 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 yep. well as you want. Yep. But they are going to That's get it. damaged. Yeah. In the right. Process okay. Of making fiberglass. So so we fiberglassed. We we basically put fiberglass over each of those parts. Goodness. And let it set, and then pulled it off. And we, it's a it's a bit of a complicated process to try to describe. But basically, we made a two part mold. Yeah. So fiberglass shell. Yep. That would in, fully encase that part. Yes. We pulled the fiberglass molds off the MDF part
1: yes it gets it? so
0: complicated I'm following, You start talking I'm about masters following. and negatives yeah. and it's just it's
2: <laughs> we have,
0: it. so at this point we have um, we have our fiberglass shells yeah and we have some pretty badly damaged MDF parts <laughs> that we basically put in the <laughs> bin straight away <laughs> yeah it's a process of like faith where you're like please oh, like yeah. don't don't damage these fiberglass oh. molds because at this point we're already at like eight months eight months it took it took it's the total, long, whole process months. to go from to go from the model To having fiberglass molds that were actually ready to pour, nine
1: months. Wow, just phenomenal. So R and D on these things it takes a lot of time. So
0: it's not. We've had people ask, "Oh, could you make a bigger (laughs) precast?" And I'm like, "Yes, I want to do that. You're gonna have to wait." Yeah, Um, I I think I've got it penciled in for like 2025. Well done. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, (laughs) it's on the list, but the list (laughs) is long. So anyway, we developed we we developed the P85. And, um, hey, lots of other things happened. I started a con- construction business. We were building ovens at people's homes. I had a I had a wood-fired oven trailer business. Where did we were, you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I got wow. very
1: entrepreneurial wow, there for that, a bit.
0: You did, didn't you? And I learned some I some haven't lessons. seen any pictures of
1: that. Is that up on your ground? Oh, you can find some
0: old stuff on the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can we go check that out? And I – so, but we were building – I had four full-time guys building ovens at people's homes. Um, and do and, you still have
1: those guys working for you? Well,
0: good question. So we did that for like two straight years. It was going – Quite well um the count was very happy It was making money It consumed all of my time and what i hadn't realized i thought um so you know the path to growth for our business was to do more um to, to you know we make wood-fired ovens people seem to like them we should build them at people's homes yeah people keep asking of course you know i don't want to build it could could, could you build it for me and i thought well, oh maybe we should do that so we started we started a construction business um, and I thought, you know, at the same same time, oh, um, it was right around the same time. I thought, oh, we, we make wood fired ovens. Um, and you know, our pizzas are pretty good. We should do catering. Oh, as well, we should make wood fired pizza. Yes. So I built this epic wood fired oven trailer. Oh, did you? Um, and I just started. And so what I hadn't really considered <laughs> was I'm spreading myself. There. I was about to say 40 um, hours in
1: your working week. Yeah, and yeah. I had, but
0: I had at that time it wasn't just me. I had a bit of a team around. Yeah. And, um, but say if you, let's look at the construction thing. On one hand, we're making wood-fired ovens, so we've got a manufacturing business. Then you're building them on site. That is a hard landscaping business, and the two are completely different, uh-huh. completely different. Mm-hmm. Now, it just so happened I'd, I'd had experience in hard landscaping in um, at Fulton Hogan, one of my previous uh, engineering firms. They had a landscaping team, and I, I was part of that for like six months. But So I had some familiarity with it. But I was trying to run multiple businesses, and after two years – I was pretty tired Yeah, I bet you and, were. and I was also yeah. realizing I did not have enough time to devote to the manufacturing side of things. And so I ended up, um, it was quite painful actually. It was, it was, it was sad. I let the, I, I basically dissolved the, um, that side of the, the construction side of the business. Right. Um, and I just passed on the work, like one of the guys in particular, um, I would pass him all the work and he was doing it, um, under his own, um, uh, label, if you want to say that. Yeah. And, um, it was sad. I remember yeah, because it yeah. was. I felt like I'd failed. I okay. felt like I'd tried something and then I'd had to let let go. it go. Best decision for the though. greater good,
1: though. Oh my word! Now, yeah, the, because
0: yeah. I mean, back then we were probably selling, oh, might have been 120 ovens a year or something like that. Um, so we were going reasonably well. Yeah. Um, but I'd thought that oh, the path to us maybe growing the business and, and improving our turnover and so on was to do more stuff. You know, to to have a catering business, to do construction, maybe maybe make some other products. Yes, we should do open fireplaces. That's right. You might have seen it in the office. We, yeah, right? Yes, we do. So did. we're going to do you know open fireplace kits, um, the charcoal grills, grills, fire pits, yeah. fire pits, etc. Like and and I love, like I said, I love making stuff. Yeah. So I'm a sucker for this.
1: Yeah, I just fell right into that. So you but had to discipline yourself I, to push some of that stuff aside, and that must yeah, have been hard because some of the stuff would be a passion project, like you. Uh, you know, we're going to have this factory tour, but I did see through the door. You know, these beautiful big rings out there, yeah. fire rings. Yes, and, yes. And, there's a and whole story behind those. Oh, and and we'll, we'll check in well, with well, it.
0: But but like it was, it was it was painful. Yeah, because I had I would poured myself into this construction business, you know, and got these four guys working. They were awesome, and done so much training and so much development of tools and, and setups for them and and then to let it go, it was, it was really oh, hard. I but I tell you, best decision ever because then it allowed us to focus, or allowed me, I should say, to focus on that part, on the manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And, and what I realized was the path to, say, maybe improving the sales of this particular business or the, the revenue, let's say, was not selling more things, it was putting the same things in front of more people. Yeah, right. So it was right around then that we we were starting to get a lot of inquiries from America. And so we we actually set up an American company, yep. so we have our own American sister company called Flamesmiths Inc. and we started sending container loads of oven kits across uh, and and that company, uh, which we run from Australia, was selling them to customers in America. And that uh, and all of a sudden we opened up this this market of whole, like, new, oh world. Good, whole the new, new world, the new world. So you are a musician. i no, no, uh, a musician. <laughs> you are a musician. <laughs> um, no, so so we, we, you know, we got that opportunity to start selling there, and I realized, oh wait a second, we don't have to have 50 products. We've got these four amazing products here: the P85, the D95, the D105, and the D130. Very, very cool names.
1: I'm sure there's a story in there's there a story somewhere. Like that. Yeah. But
0: but I realized, well, we don't have to have 50 other products let's focus on these and let's make these as amazing. Let's make these products the best we possibly can and refine our processes of making them so that we can make them more efficiently, um, you know, keeping as much manufacturing here in Australia as we can. And um, that's that's been my focus since then. That was probably around 2016. And we have focused harder and harder. So back then we were still making the grills. We were still making the fire pits.
1: Because I think I think when I was looking at buying my off and off you, yeah, which is you know from the date of publishing of the podcast about two and a half odd years ago, I think you were still doing the uh, the charcoal grills. I was going to yeah. buy one off you. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah,
0: and you know they, and I've got one at home. It's yeah. awesome. You would yeah. love it. Fantastic. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what well, can I get one? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, this is the thing. It's it's been it's like I've yeah. been like no no we have got to focus yeah, it's good. focus 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 and make sure that the energy that we have the the available effort that we have is is. Focused on the, the most important things, and then once those are nailed down, and they they are they are nailed down now, then we have the freedom to say, all right, well maybe we want to bring on another product. Let's have a look and carefully consider what's going to um, be a good product that we can we can make here uh, and that you know people are going to love and and want and um, and just bring that on. You know, one at a time, rather than. I, I think back then I, it was the only way for me to learn the lesson was to do it, was to dive in and try and do everything at the same time, and and it was um, yeah, it was it was a hard lesson to learn, but um, I hope that I've learned it now. Yeah. I don't want to learn it again.
1: No. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. So so that's sort of in terms of the history. That, yeah. Um. There's obviously a lot more, but that kind of brings you up to now where what we so what we've focused on is. Um, we're, we're selling the ovens throughout Australia. So at the moment, we don't even selling raw materials. We don't. Sell so you've fireworks. stopped doing all of that no. now. So we're still the fire brick company. But we don't sell fire bricks. No, I
1: know. I wouldn't mind some of your square bricks actually for a couple of little passion projects. we I've seen pellets of them actually. Might be something at the back. Edit that not out.
0: So so we we um we're really focused on on those things. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, we, we're, so we're not selling the raw materials anymore and we, we're just focused on the wood-fired ovens. And, yeah. and the beauty of that has been, well, when COVID happened, yeah, um, we we were nearly there. We still had those things, the fire pits and the grills in the background, and that was the point to say, right,
1: we're
0: going to stop making those because we have to focus on the wood-fired ovens because um, it, it kind of went a bit ballistic.
1: Yeah. So fast forward to today, 11 years on, you've got uh, – so you got you got f- four wood-fired oven kits. Correct, yes. Okay. So what's, tell me about the P95. So we've got – and the names. Oh, my goodness. So
0: the, it's the D95, D for oh, Dingo. Oh, uh, yeah. Just oh, just D, me, you wouldn't be the first D person. P, P pre Oh, it's hard, they rhyme as well. Diameter. P and D. It's, oh, my uh, gosh. So but, sorry but about that. I know. Oh, you're my for, gosh. You are forgiven. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> uh, okay. Tell but, me
1: about that kit because well, I'm not particularly familiar with that one.
0: Okay. So, like – the D one hundred and five. Why did I name it the D one hundred and five? D for diameter. Oh, one hundred and five centimeters. Only an
1: engineer would come up with that, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking, do I call it like the Leonardo yeah, or those, yeah, you know, yeah, some Italian right. okay, cool D for name? diameter. I I'm not
1: Italian. No, I'm,
0: I'm no. like, I'm like one quarter <laughs> Norwegian, <laughs> and oh, I'm all over the place. And so I had no right to like claim to any of those names. So I said, fine, uh, we'll go with like a nice uh, alphanumeric uh, system here. So, so the D ninety five. 95 centimeter diameter. The P85 is actually P for precast. Yeah. Um, and it's 85 centimeters.
1: Okay, so the D95. That's a brick oven.
0: That's a brick oven. So we've got three brick ovens: yeah. the D95, the D105, the D130 And the beast. You know the system now. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, written, written. And then the P85 is our precast.
1: Oven. Okay, Ben, we've got a listener question in here uh, on Speakpipe from Jono. Jono's in England. Uh, let's have a listen to a Jono's question. Hi, my name is Jono from Derbyshire, England. I'm building a 1 metre internal diameter oven and would like to ask for thoughts on the optimum depth for the underfloor insulation and the floor tiles for retained heat cooking, and does tapering the dome bricks improve the performance of the oven? Well, that, that's some pretty. Uh... Pretty ticky questions. Here. It's good. I like. I'm em. talking to the right guy here. <clears throat> oh, I love the detail. I love oh, the, the technical stuff. Yeah, good okay, stuff, so, Thanks, Johnny.
0: So, thank you, Jono. Excellent question. Um, so, for a one meter oven, that, that is quite big. And the closest thing we would have to that would be, I would say, I'd say, let's look at the D105. Yeah. Now, in terms of the thickness of your insulation materials, it will depend on the insulation you have available. When we look at the underfloor insulation. And, man, we could do a whole separate podcast on, on <laughs> I underfloor saying, insulation. On, uh, we'll come back. Uh, um, it, so what we use for the uh, the underfloor insulation, we use what's called calcium silicate board. Um, and short for cal cal-sil, calsil board. Uh, the board that we use is 50 mil thick. Um, and the reason for that the reason we use 50 mil board is if we say we use 25 mil board, it's amazing it's amazing insulation material, but 25 mil board, I would still get temperatures probably over 150 degrees coming through the bottom of that. So if you consider, let's say your oven's running at 450 degrees Celsius. The floor temperature directly under the fire, man, that, those, those tiles will be glowing yeah, orange. Yeah. They will be they could be well over 700 degrees. I've actually smelted aluminium in my oven. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jono. We're focusing on you, Jono. This is about you. <laughs> well, okay, so, so, sorry, so, so, so anyway, if you can get your hands on calcium silicate board, Fifty mil is going to be perfect, right? Now you could go thicker, but you don't need to. Okay. And this is important. Like as an engineer, what I am trying to do is make sure that I design things that work really well. But the tendency of engineers is to over-engineer, overcook things, it. Right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And the problem with that is, well, you can make things super expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It's
0: one problem. Um, and so we could say, oh, well, you need two layers of cal- you need a hundred mil of calcium mm-hmm. board. Cal- but that wouldn't be necessary.
1: You don't Um, need it. We we
0: do that actually in our commercial oven, the D130. We put two layers of of calcium board under that, so 100 mil. The only reason for that is they run their ovens all day, every day, and for them, fuel is a huge factor. It's their cost. So if we can insulate the oven even a tiny bit better, even if it's only a 10% improvement, then we do it because then they're going to make that saving in terms of fuel. So, Jono, in terms of your subfloor insulation, I would be using calcium silicate board. I would be going with fifty mil thick. In terms of the thickness of the for- the floor bricks, uh, if you're after retained heat cooking, I would be uh, I would be looking for about that seventy five mil of total material, dense material. Now that could be made up in a couple of ways. So if we look at again at the D one hundred five and Jono, what I would what I would if I wasn't on the podcast, <laughs> I'd say hey Jono. Check out her instructions for the D105 (laughs) and just copy the heck out of it. Oh, look at that! Um, You've heard it now, right from Ben. No, no, I get these. I I get these comments actually all the time from like YouTubers, like someone in South Africa. I built one of. I built my oven. I followed all your instructions, and I built my own. We don't sell them in South Africa. Good for you. Awesome. So anyway, Jono. um, So I would say 50 mil calcium board under the oven. It's going to be perfect. Yeah, and then your floor. You could have a 50 mil fire brick tile, let's say, as your cooking surface. And what we do is we pour a 25 mil layer uh, of refractory castable that, that sits underneath that, right? But you could just go straight to 75 mil or three inch bricks.
1: Okay, right. right. And
0: and in terms of making a floor, so if you're doing this all from scratch, and Jono, I know you are, um, I would be finding a, a standard fire brick is 230 by 115 by 75 mil, and I would be laying them in a herringbone pattern. Yep. Um, and that's going to give you a 75 mil of of thermal mass your, your, for your floor sitting on top of your 50 mil calcium silicate board. That will be heaps. Okay. Uh, you'll be able to do like a lot of baking out of that.
1: Uh, awesome. Down,
0: now, if you went thicker, the problem, and we dig right into that, like uh, the, another question would be, well, well how thick should Jono make the walls? Yeah. Now, I naturally lean towards, a you know, half brick. If you look at most brick walls, they're, Half a brick thick. They're not a. They're not two hundred and thirty no, thick. Neither no, half. They're they're, they're one hundred and fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um and so we sort of. I think sometimes we approach things just with what have we seen before, and then oh, I'll just apply that to what I'm doing here. I had a customer years ago. um He was doing a, a pizza oven restaurant, and he built a, I think it was a hundred and eighty centimeter internal diameter oven, and he bought enough bricks so that he could lay them. With a small end facing in.
2: Oh wow! The, brick,
0: the wall was two hundred and thirty mil of brick, That's and he thought, amazing. and I co- and I told him not to. Yeah, I, not nicely. I was yeah. a jerk. But <laughs> I, 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 I was like, John, I, I don't think you should do that, man. Like, you're creating a huge amount of thermal mass. It's going to take a phenomenal size fire to heat it up, but then you're also going to need a massive fire to keep it yeah. hot. Right. Right? Oh. just because you've heated something up doesn't mean it stays hot we're not dealing with perfect situation where there's no heat loss you're losing heat through the insulation through the dome it's it's escaping it's slow but it's still escaping so you have to keep that mass hot yeah. now and that's going to take a lot of fuel and sure enough I think it was about three years later he he' you know the restaurant was going great I went and I had pizza that was fantastic. Oh, fantastic um and he called and he was building another restaurant and he was building another oven and he, he wanted to buy bricks he said yeah this time yeah i'm going <laughs> to i'm just going to go with it with half a brick thick because he said the amount of firewood that that oven would go through was just
1: phenomenal yeah right. um, okay. because of how thick the wall was now Jono talked about the tapering of the dome bricks yes. as well and is that is that important to do in so terms of that heat retention properties it's, it's
0: it's that's a that's a really good question as well like do you need to have really tight joints in order to retain heat, mm. and we, we talked before about why we have tight joints now, and I pre- I probably didn't cover it from a heat retention perspective, but if you look at um the the mortar that goes in between the joints, it actually has a fairly similar thermal conductivity to the brick. It's not going to be as good, but it it's not that far off. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're filling the gaps in between the brick with um, copper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something super conductive that's going to pass heat straight through. Yep. You know, we're using very similar. Semitious materials, yeah. Um, and so you're not going to lose heat through mortar joints. Let me say that. Where you're going to lose heat is if you if you um, cut corners on your insulation
1: layers. Yeah, right. You
0: know, if you put 25 mil of ceramic fiber blanket over the dome and say that's enough, that's where you're going to lose okay. heat. All right. Um, but you're not going to lose heat through your mortar joints. So you don't you don't have to cut your bricks into tapers for that reason. Yep. But the the reason that um, Jono's going to want to cut his bricks tapered is to keep his joints tight because the refractory mortars that he will have available to him will be limited to very tight joints. Very small the joints. A couple joints, of mil are we talking about probably? About three mil. Three mil. Three mil. Um, yeah, it's not much. Uh, you know, they, it? the, the mortar that he will have available to him to, to buy locally will most likely be that air set mortar, which is designed for use in kilns and forges, and that has to be
1: very tight. Very, very tight. So
0: the bricks are almost buttered with it, you know. Um, Whereas the mortar that we use to make the build relatively easy, we've developed this ridiculous mortar that you can you can actually have quite a thick joint. Uh,
1: with. So. Well, good, great question, Jono. Thank you for sending that in. Okay, we've got another question here from Carlo. Uh, and I'll just uh, fire this question up for you, Ben.
0: Hi, my name is Carlo. My question for Ben is about the addition of a spark arrestor to the core on the chimney when listening to Clive on his podcast, Clive had a spark arrester added as an extra safety device, which I thought made a lot of sense. I noticed that Ben didn't have one on the call from the maintaining safety clearances to your wood fired oven video. Would Ben consider a fire arrester to be a useful safety addition to any oven?
1: So that's a great question, actually. I've had somebody else text me on Instagram after listening to the episode and, and asked a similar question. I thought, well, here we are. I'll pose it to you. I don't have a spark arrest on my D105, or at least I'm pretty sure I don't. Uh, you don't include one in the kit?
0: We don't include one in
1: the kit. It's a, it's, a, oh,
0: it's so good. Carl? Carlo. C- Carlo, terrific question. Good question. Um, and thank you also. He mentioned the video that we did um, um, of the importance of safety clearances. Yeah. Oh, super right? important. There's a video. So – we did. If, if, you, if you're listening, you haven't watched this video, check it out because it's not long, unlike most of our other videos. It's, <laughs> it's pretty short, but it, it'll show you very graphically the importance of maintaining safety clearances, specifically to your flu. That's when you were chucking all that cardboard
1: in the oven, yeah. right?
0: Take a hot oven. Oh, You've been cooking pizza Amazing. in it all night. It's 400 degrees. There's a bit of a fire going, but it's not massive. And then maybe you're with a friend and he's just um, maybe had some outdoor furniture delivered that day and unpacked it. And there's all this cardboard around and you look at the cardboard and you say, we're not very environmentally conscious at this very moment. Um, Let's, let's see what happens. If we stuff a whole bunch of cardboard in in this hot oven. I can't advise that you do this. Please don't do this at home.
1: You did it on film.
0: Yeah, I did it on film and I told them not to do it at home. (laughs) 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 Uh, um, Like what will happen is the cardboard vaporizes. basically Becomes almost becomes a gas. There's not enough oxygen in the oven to burn all the gas. So the gas roars out the mouth of the oven and up the chimney, and it mixes with fresh Ooh, air fest- that's being drawn up the chimney from the mouth of the oven, okay. and it burns inside the chimney. Now, if you watch that video, what you will actually see is the chimney glow red and flames shoot out yeah. the
1: top. Yeah, it looked amazing.
0: There is no spark arrestor on the market that would actually prevent flames coming out of your flue. It's not going to stop.
1: Now, I'm not saying that spark
0: arrestors are useless. Don't. Please don't get me wrong. Um, but in terms of if you were to uh, do a fire like that, um, you're going to have fire coming out of the flue, Irrespective your of whether you uh, had a arrest so, or
1: not. So yeah.
0: anyway, that's not normal use of your oven. That's what the teenage boys will do. Yeah. If you yeah. your life. <laughs> or the... Thirty-nine year olds. Anyway, yeah, that's what uh, anyway, just anyway. To put it on film. Uh, so, sorry, Scarlett, to come back to your question. <laughs> anyway, so, a, so spark, normal cooking environments, because well, well,
1: some wood will spit a lot and we'll see a lot of spark. Yeah. I've seen the odd little thing float up there and then, yeah. it disappears. What, well, what you often see actually
0: floating out? Of, if you do see like a spark coming out of your, field, often it might be creosote that's inside the flue that's lit. Okay, and it burns and it flakes off and little flakes oh, okay. come up. Yeah, um, and what basically? What is it? Firstly, what's a spark arrestor? So in the sense of a uh, chimney for a wood-fired oven or a uh, uh, like a combustion stove, something like that, a spark arrestor is literally some mesh that's put at the very top of the flue that all of the gas, all of the smoke has to go through. Yep. And the idea of the mesh is that it will, the the spark, which will be a floating ember, like a, just a tiny little bit of something that's still burning, will hit a piece of the mesh and the it will knock the heat out of it, right? And basically take all the heat out of that spark, so it arrests the spark. Okay. I contacted our flu company um, uh, years ago because someone in Adelaide – in Adelaide, you actually have to have a spark arrestor. In certain areas, um, the bushfire yep. you know, reasons and whatnot. And I said, well, can you sell me spark arrestors? Like people keep asking for yeah. them. Like let's sell them. Yeah. And what they said it was was perfect. They said, look, um, we, we don't sell them. And the reason being we cannot guarantee that it will arrest every spark. Okay. And if there is a fire – and we've provided you this spark arrester, we're now liable. Is that right. You can sue us. Really? Because, hey, really? we've provided you a spark product arrester, inverted commas. It's meant to arrest all the sparks, right? Well, spark arresters, will they they'll definitely reduce the amount of sparks you're getting out of out of your chimney. Absolutely. And so if you're in a bushfire-prone area, hey. Get some stainless steel mesh and fit it inside your yep. your your flue. And and you can look if you look up online. There's some guidelines on on the, like the gauge of the mesh you need and the size of the the, the,
1: the gap in the mesh. Doesn't strike me as a particularly difficult task it's, to it's make a, yourself if not, you had but to do it's, it.
0: It's not in terms of why why um. If we come back to sort of the core of the question, well, well, why why would you have one? And that is, well, you live in an area that's maybe bushfire prone. Let's say that's a good reason to have a, a spark arrester. Honestly, if you live in an area that's bushfire prone, you won't be allowed to fire yeah, your oven no, on a day no. that would actually be a problem. That's correct. So mm. in terms of um, why we, we don't have them, that's that's one of the big yeah, reasons is um, we haven't found them to be strictly necessary and there, there is an issue there like liability-wise. Yeah, um, yeah. So, But by all means, if that's something that you want to put in, it won't affect your the performance mm. of your oven in a negative way at all. Um, but it's just about finding that right. It's got to be stainless steel mesh because if it's mild steel, you'll just rust it out yeah, in sure. Okay. Um, so stainless steel mesh and just research the,
1: the mesh size that you need. Okay, there you go, Carlo. Thank you very much for uh, sending that question through SpeakPipe. Here's another question from uh, one of the listeners of the podcast. Uh, he asks, is there a reason the Melbourne Firebrick Company has never created a precision cut keystone brick template uh, for the P85? Uh, a refractory cork, he says, to drop in to place?
0: Excellent question. And look, this applies equally to all of our ovens. So if you look at all of our ovens, brick or precast, they all have this hole at the top of the dome. It almost looks like where you're going to stick your flue. Yeah. Don't. Don't stick your flue there. But there's this void at the top of each of our ovens before you pour what we call the keystone that that seals the dome. The reason that we don't make it for you, because we could. We could make a rad like cork shape uh, mould and we could cast them and that would actually be probably the easiest shape that we have in terms of casting. Really? The thing is, yeah. oh, yeah, it would be dead easy. The mould yeah. would be very simple. If you compare it to the complexity yeah. of some oh, of the yeah. other shapes that we have, yeah. a simple cork shape, dead Easy dead cake. problem is that everybody's oven ends up slightly different. So let's say, let's look at the brick ovens. Uh, as you lay your rows of bricks, I think in the D105, we get up to row 11 and then you pour your keystone. If you put I put bricks right around the top of mine. You, you can. You can go brick all the way to the top. Yeah, so if, you, and and we see in the instructions. Those, there's, there's spare yeah. bricks in the kit. Yeah, so right. in, the, in the in the let's look at the D1F5. It's my baby. That's my baby too. And your baby. Yeah. Okay. I like, it's our right. baby. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway. Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, oh, we're going off track, but um <laughs> if you look at the keystone, so you can go all the way to the top of our brick ovens with brick. There is brick there. Yep. However, um the refractory castable is going to make the perfect keystone because it will fill your keystone void completely. Yes. You mix it up as a a wet sort of sticky porridge mix and you pour it in, vibrate it sort of with a a trowel, you rot it in and it fills that void completely and perfectly. And that's important because the structure, a dome structure without the keystone, you don't have the strength that, that you would otherwise have. You need that keystone to have almost perfect surface contact with the ring of bricks that it's against because then all the compressive force of the oven is perfectly transferred through the structure. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Right. Now, here's the thing. As you're laying your bricks for your D105, if you put in half a millimetre of additional mortar in between each row of bricks as you go up, let's say one millimetre, it'll be easy to count. Um, By the time you get to the top, your keystone will be 11 mil smaller than mine, if I lay mine without Oh,
1: yeah. Never thought of
0: that. So that's the the reason is we want to make sure that everyone's oven works. (laughs) (laughs) So if we give you this precast keystone that you could drop in, if you don't lay your bricks, I mean, perfectly, yeah. it won't fit. It won't fit. Um, whereas, good thinking, engineer. Up, well, well, thank I'll you. Don't well, well, of but it's, it's also yeah. like, you're, I mean, in the brick ovens, you're already building on a fiberglass dome by that stage anyway. Yeah. You've got the perfect formwork there. Hey, let's yeah. use it. Yeah, absolutely. You do some work. Yeah. I don't have to do all the casting. <laughs> you do some casting. No, no, it, it, is a, it is a good question. And even for the P85, you could say, well, well, why don't you just make those pie shaped pieces that form the the shells, if we call them? Why don't you just make those meet in the middle? Yeah. Well, it would have to be, again, you would have to lay them perfectly. perfectly for it to sit. There's no yeah. tolerance. And that's one of the things that I've learned practically, but you learn in, in engineering studies, is allowing tolerances for things. You don't make, if you're making a, a shaft and, and you've, got to, you've got to bore a hole for the shaft to go through, you do not bore the hole to the exact same size as a shaft. It's just not going to fit. If you got it to the micron, like the temperature on the day would affect whether you're able to get that shaft into that bore, so allowing tolerance um, is so important, and that's that's one of the things that we've done with the design of the oven, is we've in every step there's lots of tolerance.
1: And that's great because for the typical DIY builder like myself, never used concrete before, never laid a brick in my life before doing the D105, we are all going to build these things perfectly imperfect. Aren't yeah. we? Yeah, you know, and everybody's D one hundred five is going to be different.
0: It's going to be different, and I think if you look at my build of the D one hundred five, if you get up right up close and look at my vent arch bricks, because those are the ones that you see oh, yeah. the, the 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 arch right yeah. at the front, yeah. you know, with the flue gallery yeah. over it. If you look closely, man, the bricks on the joints on the right are significantly thicker than the ones on the left, and like and but uh, you but know, better like, than mine. The, well, well <laughs> but it's all come out like it all like the, when you look at it, yeah. You don't see that. No, you don't you see that. You see this beautiful, yeah, that's right, hand-built um structure that you've put your yeah. heart and soul yeah. into, and and look, those imperfections are you at the time is funny. We get this all the time. Customers are like, oh, I, I did this thing and it's just a little bit off, and I'm like, look, honestly, right now, there's probably like eating away at you. Yeah. Like that brick is half a mil yep. to the right. That's it. Um, but in the end, you'll actually probably like that because because it's absolutely. Those, if it was look, we could pre, we could pre-make everything for you. We could probably pre-make the brick, have the bricks come out all mortared together already. Let's say so you still got the brick look. Yeah. So we could pre-do that. We could pre-mortar the entire vent arch mm-hmm. together. Yeah, no, and, don't do that. It. We That's could, that, but don't do that. But no, don't, no, it's fun building it. It takes away the fun. Yeah. But it Also takes away your your part in the process. Oh, absolutely. And, and like your, there's something about you. You're leaving your mark on it, yeah. and it doesn't have to be perfect. No, it it's, doesn't. Th- that's it the thing. We're not. It doesn't. It. I'm trying to think of something that has to be perfect. Like if you're, let's say, you're spray painting a like a car, you don't want imperfections mm-hmm. in that. You really do want that 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 paint to be glossy. Yeah. And no, you don't want to put your hand in it, right? That's bad. Yeah, I've done that. But but with with a brick oven, you're uh, and you're building this authentic, really quite old yeah, thing yeah that isn't was never meant to be no it wasn't absolutely perfect um, so so anyway, you can like you can get it pretty darn close to perfect, but you don't have
1: to. No, you don't. And look, enjoy. one of the, the imperfections that happened in my oven—it uh, got me scratching my head at the start. You know, I'm looking in the, in, in the mouth of the oven and on the inside of the back dome, on the inside of the oven. Uh, after some uh, curing fires, probably I probably lit up my oven too hard too soon. Uh, I, I got a couple of little cracks, and one little crack goes through a, through the brick, and the other crack just seems to follow the mortar line up for a couple yeah, of rows, yeah, yeah. and I go. Oh, that's a shame. And then a month later, I'm going. Oh, I actually really like that because yeah. there'd be no other D105 out there with exactly the same signature up through yeah. that. a yeah, 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 yeah. so Perfectly and imper- and I think perfectly I think perfect. I like that, and yeah. I, I I like it. I, yeah. I like getting my glass oh. once in sitting out the front, watching the flames look up. and they go. oh, at least that little crack. I yeah, actually yeah. really like that. And, and look,
0: as an engineer, you know, I wish I could make the cracks not happen. Yeah, but that's not actually physically possible. No, and and brick are, are going to you know develop some fine cracks, and that's part of the thermal stress relief, if you want to call it that. You're heating up this rigid you masonry are. structure. You are. And it needs some kind of relief uh, from those stresses. So it develops these tiny cracks, which just allow for that tiny bit of movement that it needs. The cracks won't get bigger, but they, they will be there. They won't. You could try and fill them in, but they'll probably show up again. Um, and that is something I think it's really important for people to except before they start. And that's actually, we've got a whole video on cracking in wood-fired ovens. It's it's up on our YouTube channel. So worth worth checking that out because um, then when you go into it and you do get that crack, you don't freak out. No, of course. This part of it, it is part of what happens. It is,
1: and it's not going to affect the uh, heat retention or the cooking no, properties. Actually,
0: that, whatever. But no, but but that's a that's a common thing. Into we should do a whole. We could do a whole thing on like um myth busting. Oh, myth busting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, that'd be great. Well, we had we had a customer recently who in, inquired and they said, "Look, my oven's cooling down really quickly. I think it might be because there's this crack here." And so it's one of those things where you have a problem and you look at the yeah. the thing that's got the problem and you're looking for something wrong. And if you see a crack, you're like, well, that's something wrong. Maybe that's causing the problem I'm experiencing. That's how I that's how I fix any machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I like open it up. I'm like, is there something on fire? Is there something that looks burned? Is that is there something that looks broken? Um, and so it's not surprising that people will ask that. They say, oh, I've got a crack. I think I'm maybe losing heat through this crack. Um, and that's not how the heat in the oven works. The heat is in the bricks. It's not a liquid that's leaking out, um, or even a gas that's yep. like leaking out. And in that case, and in every time we get that inquiry, it's the oven is holding water. Yes. Every single time. And this is this is something that's probably worth talking about. Is um these these ovens are if you look at them, most of the photos that we have, they're built outdoors it's the right place to put it. Oh like, heck, yeah! Look, in the showroom, there we've got an oven inside. Yeah, you
1: got a roof over your. We oven. Got r- it's it's not nice. a roof.
0: I, I get to look at the stars, yeah, it's and true. the rain. And yeah. well, see, you're in like, sunny okay. Queensland. No, no,
1: no. Come on, I've just had three months of solid rain. We're, yeah, lucky, no, no. On, solid rain. We're actually, lucky for yeah. our house not to go into water. That's but true. Another story, That's but another story. but it is. I have to be honest though. Like for over December, January, February time in in Brizzy, for me as a Kiwi. <laughs> it's a little hot for me to stand in front of my oven. So yes. I don't tend to use it over those three months. Yeah, okay. yep. I'm now, right now- in my wood fire oven 8 month period awesome. where i'm going to be using it yes. all the time it,
0: it is i'm on a 35 degree day in yeah, front of a it's 500 pretty warm, degree oven but is, you're um, in
1: melbourne i mean it's you know on the time you know, i get down to 2 degrees sometimes when i come in for work and it gets cold here Ben.
0: yeah i, I hadn't had noticed yeah. uh, having <laughs> having been here for 39 <laughs> years it's it uh, freaking cold it, it does oh. it does uh, i love
1: it though i like yeah uh, i like it i grew up cold. in wellington i don't like and the and rain doing, it's, it's raining and it's windy and it's give me the cold give me dry cold yeah you another layer in then. Get no. the work done. No, 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 work no. Work hard. I, I, I wear this t-shirt in in uh, in winter time yes. back home.
0: Anyway, anyway. No. So <laughs> were, were we? Um, we're, we're talking about like building ovens outdoors and, and
1: moisture and and, 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 yeah. and
0: dealing with moisture. And so we actually just filmed a video uh, on on Saturday, like a couple of days ago. Um, and the idea of the video is to try and help people understand where they should build their oven and all the considerations. That come into that. Great. Now I won't give all that away. No, don't. But it talks. In it we talk about like. Bit of a spoiler. Uh, prevailing wind direction. Yeah, good. Um, the physical size of the oven. How much room you might need to allow for like peels, so you don't poke people in the face yep. as they yep. walk past. Um, things like where your flu is going to end up. Is there something overhead? You know that you need to think about, um, or uh, what? What are your local council regulations? Do you know? Does your council or authority does have some? God forbid you have a homeowner's authority in America. Oh, anyway, really? oh, uh, so, so, uh, but, not in Brisbane. Uh, but um, yeah. the really big one is thinking about, all right, well, the weather and how does the weather affect the oven, particularly over the long term? Now, and, the sh- so, and, and that's what well, I'll, I'll talk about now, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because I think this is something that I really want everybody who has a wood fired oven or is thinking of building one, particularly the people who are thinking of building one. To to really think about and just just understand because I think once you understand something and you know it, then you have options mm. and you can say, well, I know about that, but I'm still going to build it this way mm. because of these other factors. So if we look at wood fired, our wood fired oven specifically, you'll see we've got that lovely fire brick front and and the floor is made of fire brick as well. And then you have the dome behind that. Now we we seal that with that roll on acrylic membrane coating, mm-hmm. so we seal the dome. So the oven, can, let's say the oven's sitting out in the weather. Yeah, The dome is not going to absorb water. The, the water just runs off that coating. Yep, beautiful. Sure does. I mean, you would have seen it. Just, oh, and it yeah. just it's great. And it comes down and it ponds on your stand and your stand's covered in puddles. And um, uh, we've got a, a water barrier system that is kind of hard to describe over the, the uh, interwebs here. But basically, <laughs> um, that prevents any water getting under your render yep. and into your oven. It's, it's basically a little... Um, wall yep. that goes around the perimeter of your floor and stops water leaching yep, coming the back in. Yeah. Okay. And then you think, all right, well, so we're not getting water coming in through the dome and it's not getting in under the render, under the perimeter. But the mouth of the oven is made of fire brick. Mm. And fire brick is porous. It, mm. has mm. it has to be. It has to be. Fire brick has to be porous for a for a number of reasons. One is um to allow it to withstand thermal shock. So let's if we uh, we're diving deep into this well, one. I'll go I, ahead, okay. So take a glass, right, and get it freezing cold. I'm talking like negative 30 Celsius. So you, you get a glass and you freeze it, whip it out, and pour boiling water into it. What do you think will happen? Smash. It's going to shatter, right? And you just know that, not maybe even because you've done it, uh, but it's just sort of – you sort of know that. And so glass is a really tight crystalline atom structure, mm. super tight. There's no – it's not porous at all. We know that hmm. if it was porous, we'd pour water into it, water would come out the sides. Uh, you know, like it's so. So glass is non-porous. Um, and So it's got this really tight lattice structure. And if we look at, um, so, so we know that if if uh, you get it really cold and then you get it really hot really quickly, that's called thermal shock. Right. And it, either way, from cold to hot or hot to cold, it's thermal shock. Either way, so you're either rapidly expanding the material or you're rapidly contracting the material. So when you pour the boiling water into the glass, you are trying to make the glass rapidly expand. Because when you heat up a material, it expands. Yep. Every every material has what's called a coefficient of thermal expansion. Mm. So the glass is trying to expand. But because it's this tight lattice, it has nowhere to go. Yeah. It can't expand into any pores or anything like that. And so it is likely, not always, they've developed some pretty cool glass, mm. but it's likely to shatter. Fire brick is porous, and so you can basically subject it. You can like subject it to like go from zero degrees to nine hundred degrees in a matter of seconds, mm. and all those little pores give the material somewhere to expand okay, into. Right, um, and so that's part of the part of its ability to deal with these rapid changes in temperature. Right, um, so. The reason being, like, these materials, like fire bricks, were not actually developed for
1: wood-fired ovens, believe
0: it or not. Were they not? Nice? No. No. Um, well, they should have been. The, the, well, I mean, they're, they're important. <laughs> I think the most important use. <laughs> they are. Uh, no, like so,
1: smelters or boring things like that. Exactly. Were yeah. And you've
0: got molten steel lapping yeah. up against Yeah, right. You know, yeah. and one minute it's got no steel against it and then the next minute that they, they turn it's the lava. tundish over whatever and there's yeah. literally lava yeah. running over it. And so they have to handle these rapid changes mm. in temperature. Mm. So fire bricks are porous. And and you'll see that in the videos. We soak the bricks in water in order to lay them. And you put them in water and they
1: fizz. Yeah, they do. Um,
0: And so so now we come back to oven being built outdoors. Fire bricks are making up the mouth of the oven. Any rain that falls on the floor of the oven and some of the rain that falls on those vertical bricks that make up the vent, that's absorbed. Yeah. And you'll see it. Take a glass of water and pour it on there and it just disappears. Yeah. And you're like, where did that go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right the brick. It, it's, it's gone into the brick. Yeah. And then it goes down into your insulation layer underneath the calcium silicate board. And man, the calcium silicate board, that is a sponge like no
1: other. Yeah. So that takes a while to get rid of the moisture. It, it's,
0: yeah. Well, and it, it, it'll hold a huge volume of water. I think it's, it's apparent porosity. So how much water it can hold, okay. I think it's close to 90% of its volume. Really? It's amazing. Wow, it can okay. hold so much water. Now, good news is it, uh, it doesn't mind. It, w- it won't, like, become this mush yeah. or something like that. It actually retains its its strength even when it's saturated, which is very good news. Yeah, that
1: is good news, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Otherwise, we'd be getting a lot yeah, of worried phone be, calls. Yeah, oh, i, got, America, I, got, I no. got water on it.
1: <laughs> is it going to fall apart?
0: Um, no, it doesn't, it doesn't dissolve. It doesn't fall apart. But what it does is it becomes conductive. So now instead of this amazing high-temperature insulator that you could – man, you put an oxy-torch on one side, I'll put my hand on the other side of the calcium. Really? It's amazing. Is it, really? it is just incredible. If you make it wet, I'm not going to do that anymore. Are you're not. Right? Because it's the water a, yeah. will pass the heat, heat through. Yep, yeah, sure. And so what is happening, that the chap that I mentioned before who said, oh, my oven's – it's it's cooling down like overnight. It's not taking three days. It's it's like overnight it's, it's cooled down his oven would have been completely saturated yeah, okay. with water. And so right. when he fires it up, okay, yeah, the, some of the bricks heat up and he's able to cook some pizzas, probably having a hard time doing that. Um, but then all the heat is just sucked out of the oven through that wet insulation. And it's just – it's absorbed in trying to trying to evaporate the yeah, water. Yeah, sure. So you, you, you just lose all this energy. So um, when it comes to building an oven outdoors, like how, how should that affect you? So if, you, if your oven's built outdoors – and you know it's getting rained on. Your oven at home is absorbing water when it's rained on. If you're like Chris Valzo and you use your oven three times a week, uh, I don't care how legend. much it rains, it's yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. It will never get wet. That's it will right. just constantly being be dried out. If you use your oven once a week or even once a fortnight, still fine, no problems. It's when you leave your oven for six months yeah. um, or in your case, say three months, you could come back, and if you've had a really wet summer, oh yes, your oven will be quite waterlogged.
1: And and it, right now, yeah, mine is. Yeah, right. So I haven't had mine on for about three months. Been pretty busy with work. Uh, my daughter had a big birthday recently. We had forty folk around at home. I was allowed to put on the wood fired oven. I wasn't allowed to cook in this. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. Uh, but uh, you know, for the ambience and the, and the warmth and and and, and stuff, because it looks great just as a fire. Uh, I went and checked the temperature the next day. Now, I pumped it up in the end. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but I just threw the logs in there as normal and got this thing raging. The next day, it was far cooler than I was expecting. And I'm just assuming it's still waterlogged because we've had some some of the worst rain we've had in Brisbane in a decade. And uh, I imagine that's why.
0: That's exactly why. It's, 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 in fact, it's the only thing that it can yeah, be.
1: Yeah, Um, Unless you said, oh, well, actually a tree fell
0: on an yeah, oven no, and, <laughs> it's and it's broken. actually <laughs> It's broken. I'd say, well, no, that could have something broken. to do with it. No. no it's, it's, it's water. Yeah. And, and so I think, and this is so, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, yeah. talk a bit, to come on and talk about this. Oh, it's, it's, great. It's, it's so cool. It's so we will be. We have a video coming out about it, um, but this is fun to talk about as well. Yeah. Um, so basically, if your oven is retaining water, you will be losing heat yeah. at, a, at a much greater rate than you should be. Is it damaging the oven? Well, now, here's the thing. In a warm climate – so, remember, we started the business in Australia in 2011 and it wasn't like until years later that we started selling the ovens in America. Mm. So, pretty well, most of the photos that you see and a lot of the B-roll and stuff in the videos is of Australian ovens, yeah. built outdoors, out in the weather. in in a, in a warm climate, water in your oven is basically what you've experienced. Yep. It's annoying. Yep. It's not destructive. No. It's a pain in the butt. Mm. In America, specifically in, say, North America, in cold areas, and I'm America, the lovely Canadian customers yep. who I can't wait to sell up yep. to you guys. It's,
1: we're going to talk about that, I think, um, next
0: week. <laughs> like, you have to think about this because if you go into winter and your oven is waterlogged, and there's a whole page on this in our instruction, yeah. by the way, this is not like new information, mm. but it's. I love. I really want to make sure I talk about mm, every mm. possible opportunity. It's great. If you go into winter and your oven is holding, say, as much water as yours is, yeah. you would experience freeze for cracking. Okay, it's called heaving. Heaving. So basically, water expands when it freezes; it gets bigger. Ice. So if you if you have an ice block, um, you'll find that when you the amount of water that you put in the ice block when you yep. freeze it, it it expands. Yep, that's what ice. So the Solid version of water is bigger than the liquid version, and the problem there is if your calicil board is full of water, that water is going to freeze and expand, That's and going to try and jack up your oven. Yeah, right. Uh, Interesting. Um, and it's it's something that we want our customers to avoid. Yeah. And so in those cold climates, we have we basically have a series of instructions for people in cold climates. Ideally, they would build their oven undercover. Like, very few people are going to build their oven indoors. You can do it, but. That's not going to be the the vast majority. If you're going to build it outdoors, then think about building a roof over it such that no rain ever falls on it. Right? Um, Now, again, that's a massive project. Mm. So for most people, that's that's as big a project as building the oven. Yeah, for sure. If I said to you, Mark, you've got to build a roof over your oven, you're like, do I have to? No, I
1: just go to Bunnings and get a big tent on Yeah, so so
0: the overarching concept is the oven has to be dry through winter. Yeah. If, I, if you said, what's the rule? The oven must be bone dry through those winter months. Yeah. How do you achieve that? Well, you can keep it dry all the time with a roof, right? And, and the beauty of having, say, a roof over it is you can be undercover while the oven is. Mm. So in the situation of three months of rain, maybe you do want to do some cooking. You could. Mm. You don't have to be standing out there. Mm. Kind of sad with an umbrella, while well, all your friends are inside <laughs> laughing and having a great time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yep. uh, so so that's that's something to think about. Yeah, um, and it's it's not even something you have to do right away. And I'll tell you how we can get away with that. But having a roof over the whole thing so that the oven just doesn't get rained on is is like the the A level, the the best. Uh, you know, if you said, "Well, I, I need Ben, I need you to guarantee yeah. this isn't going to be a problem." That's how I can guarantee it. Yeah, don't let the oven get rained on. Mm-hmm. All right. Another option is to build the oven into a little house. Yep. And this is what you see a lot. You were you, saying- You do. You, in North America, yeah. Canada, They're big they're little, little, little houses. Little houses right? around yeah, the they're, oven. Cute, they're so
1: cute, they? They No, sorry.
0: They're very tough they and very, manly. They, they look great. No, they, they do they look awesome. awesome. Uh, uh, but we they we do had look someone cool. do a
1: full stone one. It was yeah. Crazy. Oh, they're cool. They really are something special. But yeah. it's, it's a
0: very practical thing. It's like, well, why do they do that? And the reason is- they know that they know about freezing. Yeah, they, they're well aware. They've got foundations in their house that go six feet down, because right? Of the frost line, right? Because so, the ground freezes a, yeah. down for five feet.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So,
0: so they're aware of that, and so they've built their wood-fired ovens to accommodate that. They built them into this enclosure, so you no longer see the dome of the oven. You don't even see the flue gallery and the flue. It's all inside. You basically take the take the walls of the stand and just keep going up. Okay, and then put a roof over that. Yep. Have okay, a flue go through that, and then you create an opening in that, yep. so that you can get at the oven inside, and and you ba- and you make it so that you can seal that opening so that water doesn't get in. Now you've protected your oven from the oven. So that's another way of doing it. Again, it's it's involved, yeah. and it's something I do want to do a bit of a detailed video on on how you might achieve that. The last option um, is my least preferred because I can't guarantee it one hundred percent. Um it's, it's kind of hard to confirm. There is a method and I'll go through it. You can sort of confirm, is it going to work for you? But basically it's you leave the oven outside um, and as you come into autumn or fall, <laughs> as uh, our friends <laughs> in the north would say, uh, yeah. As, yeah no, so as, as you come towards the end of autumn, <laughs> yeah. you need to winterize the oven. And I actually got an email on this this morning. Um, what you would do is you would fire the oven, you dry it out. So you assume, like your oven, you would assume that it's waterlogged and you do a series of big firings, not mm. little curing fires. I'm talking big firings yep. because it's really hard to get the, the water out of that calcium silicate board because of where it is.
1: Mm. Um,
0: you have to get a lot of heat into the floor. Yeah, It's quite easy to heat up the dome. Yeah. Any water that's retained in, say, the dome or the ceramic fire blanket, dead easy to get that out. Your first firing will probably deal with nearly all of it, but the floor is different. Mm. The floor you've got to get heat into the floor so it soaks through the brick and then it gets into the calcium mm. and it vaporizes all of that water mm. and drives it out. Okay. So that's going to take like – we're going to be doing a video on winterizing your oven. Okay, so that'd be you, interesting. And yeah. You're going to basically fire the living daylights out of it. You're probably going to have to burn about 120 kilos oh, of fire. Oh, yeah, that's good fun. Maybe more. Right? Yeah. Mm, uh, that's uh, good fun. You don't even have to cook anything. Uh, just no, look no, at no, it no, if you want. If you're just look at it with a glass <laughs> of wine or two or three. The idea yeah, cool. is to dry the oven out and make sure that it's bone dry. Right now. Then once it's dry, you would take the flue off and you would cover the oven with a heavy-duty tarpaulin, mm. uh, and then ratchet strap that tarpaulin around your stand so such that it's not going to blow off. Um, before you put your tarpaulin on, you would actually I would actually be recommending to put some kind of supports, um, something soft ideally. So that your your tarpaulin is not rubbing on your dome. Yeah. The dome is like okay. sandpaper. Yeah, and yeah. you've got three months of wind whipping the tarpaulin yeah. against yeah. sandpaper. It you're might gonna damage it. Yeah, sure. So you and, you and you don't get one of those cheap blue tarps from Bunnings. No, you, you spend yeah, the money and you get, get some proper heavy duty. Yeah, and you strap that on. And so that so basically you you've got this big tarpaulin over your bone dry oven, and you leave it that way for the winter. Mm. And and that way the oven's dry throughout your winter. No freeze saw problems. Happy days. Oh, interesting. Now, how you would – my my concern with that method is how do you know 100% that you got every bit of water out of that oven before winter? And there, the way that I've – and I've given this a tiny bit of thought, you can buy um, moisture-level meters. Yep. I don't think they're particularly expensive. And you could basically drill a little hole yep. through – I would look at sort of somewhere around the vent area, maybe yep. through the side. Yep. What you want to see is is there water in my calcium board? And you could probe that. Uh, uh, it's a bit involved, isn't it? It's all we're we're getting hot, we're getting moisture level meters. Oh, we're now, hang on, this sounds so fine, I'll but, do that on mine. Yeah. So so to to cover it all again, if you're in a cold climate, water can be destructive for ovens. And and like some of our competitors in America actually have in their warranty, if your oven gets wet, the warranty is void, right? Yeah, we right. don't have that. That's not mm. part of our warranty. But mm. um, because your oven can get wet, mm. it won't fall apart. It's Going into winter, you do not want your oven to. The no, way. it's quite very, a different kettle of a fish. Isn't it, yeah. We're very clear on that. Yeah, like we really want to make sure that. Yeah. Um, if you're in a cold climate, you know you yeah. know the risks. Yeah. Um, uh, but once you know, mm. you can deal with it. Mm. It doesn't mm. have to be a problem. It's just something you're aware of. Yeah. But if you're not aware of it, and you go into winter, and your oven starts raising up off the stand, yeah, that like, would
1: be quite something to see, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah you'd freak out a little bit. Yeah.
0: So then, so then, so that's our cold climate friends. They've okay. got to be very careful. But in a warm climate, it's just a frustrating thing yeah. where water's getting into the oven and and it's just interrupting sort of interfering with our enjoyment of mm. it now the, the question that I'm sure some of your listeners have is well mm. can you make a cover can we have a cover like a barbecue mm. cover that we throw over the mm. oven I have spent months trying to get a cover made, really? Yeah, and you and, I, and I've made, I've had several made, and they're hideous. Are they? They're oh, hideous. No. They're like an ugly old bag. Oh, you know, like oh no! No, because it's a, such a complex shape. Yeah. So in my mind, I would have a form like a snuggly. Oh, it would be wouldn't cover, it? Yeah, right? yeah nicely
1: engineered. Can engineers? you imagine
0: all of the the, the stitching and the the, <laughs> the, the the panels that would be needed to make it nice, smooth? Cover. And, and so I've, I've had, I've given it to canvas companies. I'm like, here's a 3D model of of the oven. Can you make a fitted cover for this? And they've just said, look, that's not something we would really want to do it's too complex too hard it, it, they could do it technically but the cost would be just ferocious. yeah okay the other big problem even if we had one made that i i came to in i think i've thought about this for
1: yeah, tens of hours it sounds i like i it. I, thought,
0: I just cuz <laughs> it, it's, well it, no, it, it's a through no it's it's a big thing if i could come up with a solution it would be brilliant if you put a, a wrap around the oven and water so that sheds the water off onto your stand mm-hmm. it doesn't stop it from getting in it can get like it. It'll want to like creep back in, like so. You would have to have a, you would have to have a cover that went down over your granite landing and made yes. sure that no water ran yeah, back, back under. Back. So that's yeah, right. It, uh, it we would. know like yeah. for the for the edges of the stand, we've got yeah. that water barrier to yeah. to stop it getting under the render. But like say that on the landing, we well, you'd have to make sure that the water shed all the way off the landing didn't go back in under the cover or something. But everyone's landing is different. You know, like everyone, short. everyone does something different. Yeah. So everyone's stand is a different size. Everyone's landing is different. Uh, the the installation's are all so unique, and that's awesome, but it does make it very challenging to make a waterproof Proof, cover that yeah. would work for everybody.
1: Okay, so what you did with the D105 to assist with some of this water runoff is you angled the landing slightly away yes. from the mouth of the oven, and, and, that, and I can see that small design feature playing its part when it rains. Absolutely. I, when it rains normal. That, okay, we're and, doing normal and, rain. That, very little water. rainwater actually can – Go into, inside the oven. It's Well, water that falls on your landing, that should run off. Unless it, uh, it, it there's a bit does. of wind, yeah, right, yeah.
0: which is driving it into the oven. But Absolutely. if you have rain running yeah. on an angle into the mouth for of the three oven, weeks. That's going, yeah. it's going to be so in. It is. Um, and so we are, be aware, like we are working on what we're calling like a weather guard, which will be something that fits like an external door for the oven that wraps around the front. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm trying to make it in a way that it's going to be Uh, we're going to be able to ship it because the size, if I was to make it out of folded stainless, it would be enormous. Um, It would be a very big box, Mm. very expensive. I'm trying to make it cost effective for everyone, but I want to make a rain guard that will um, basically just wrap around the front of the oven. So you won't see the bricks anymore. Mm. They'll be gone Mm. hidden behind this bit of stainless steel. And that will pick up probably 75% of the rain and, and divert it off. But it's, it's still
1: sort of a prototype thing that I'm working on. Um, and, it's uh, very innovative, Ben. You're quite an innovative guy. Stop it. No, <laughs> no, you, I, you are. Okay. But all of this great innovation, my oven's damped now. I've used it once. I use it another couple of times, uh, which is no dramas to me, just simply to light it up and enjoy the fire. It's pretty much going to resolve the issue that's anyway. It, you, and we have had some serious rain we, in we, Brisbane, and it's it'll be fine, right? Yeah, two we, more fine. Yeah, it's fine.
0: Photo- so we actually got photos, and I, I saw it, and I, um, it was from someone in Lismore and they had those the floods like people's literally whole houses were submerged yeah. and they had a photo of their oven and just the top of the dome was poking out of the water right it was completely submerged That's sad. um it was it was like they were very like fortunate their house was up on stilts so yeah. their their goods were fine and their, their family was fine which is the most important thing well the i said look just let it sit there let the water recede obviously mm. once once the water's receded just leave it for a week let some of that water just drain out and then just start your curing fires again. Go back. that, And that's the worst. That's like literally completely saturated. Yeah. Start your curing fires again. The materials won't, haven't dissolved. They're all still there exactly where they were before. They're just really wet. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to just dry the oven out. And and that's a very, that's a severe example. I actually mm. would love, if, if you said, Ben, you've got like unlimited budget and time and yeah. you can film whatever videos you want. That would, I would be a build, great one. I would build a tank, a glass tank, <laughs> and I would lower <laughs> the oven into it and submerge it, right? Oh, and, and, so and I I'll, challenge and you to do, do that. Uh, and, but I'm not a YouTuber with like some oh, unlimited budget, oh, right? Oh, no, so, no. So oh, I, come on now, you've got
1: enough bricks out there to do it. There's <laughs> a few bricks. But
0: I, I, would, I would show you this oven being completely saturated. Yeah. And then I would lift it out and I'd plonk it down next to this big tank and I'd say, right, we're gonna leave this for a week and we're gonna come back and I'm gonna dry it out. And then I'd be interesting, though. That would be really interesting. Oh, it'd be great. Um, and of me, of me doing the curing fires again, of going really small fires, building them up, building them up. Driving the moisture out.
1: Sounds like you've and got this then, planned out in your head already. Uh, so you are, this, this um, you are going to do it. I can see why you were going to do it.
0: Like, but basically, the end of that process. Once we've gone through all the curing fires, we're going to do it. It's going to take at least like four major firings. At the end of that, we would have our oven back to normal.
1: Again. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Um,
0: and and it, it's so in the um, less severe example of your oven. Which has just been out in the rain for a few months, it wasn't literally underwater. Enough, hey, you'll just you're just gonna to have to do a few firings yeah. to drive that moisture out. Absolutely. And your oven will start behaving yeah. the way it should. Yeah. And then I would say think about if you're not gonna use it for three months, think about putting some kind of cover over it. You're
1: in a warm climate. You don't have to I'm not going to put a cover in this it. and you know why? like looking at my bricks. Exactly. I love my bricks. Exactly. And that's I and that's, place those bricks and they're perfectly imperfect. Yeah. I'm not going to cover those up with nothing. And this is why of the rain. this is why I can't one of the reasons I haven't <laughs> made a cover is you won't sell it to has me. to be Well, <laughs> like
0: the cover has to be really perfect and beautiful it does. because the oven's it, beautiful. It, it is. And if you cover it with a hideous old bag, yeah. it's just uh, you're sort of saying right. like oh mm, that's a bit. What's that? You know, that's, it's not that attractive. So so for those listening out there who are like, why hasn't he made a cover yet? I hope this helps that's you understand. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, um, it's, it's, but, it's but at the challenge. same time, I really want people to understand you don't need to like freak out about your oven getting wet. Um, but as long as you know if your oven gets wet, this is what happens. It will, it will take longer to heat up because you're trying to drive out moisture and it will cool down faster because the insulation is not nearly as efficient. Then once you know that, then you can – deal With it, you know, and you're not surprised by it. it?
1: Um, yeah, oh, nicely so- summed up. Another uh, listener question, uh, Ben, uh, and we have, we've touched on this a little bit. Another thing regarding the build process getting contractors to build it for you if you don't have the confidence to build it yourself. I'm sure there are uh, some horror stories out there. Uh, this listener goes on to ask of dodgy guys out there making a mess of the build. A, have you had? a few dodgy builds, and B, uh, any recommendations of things to ask the builders before you pay them to build your oven? Because I suppose not everyone will probably want to build it themselves. Uh,
0: uh, Absolutely. We find actually quite quite a significant number of people love a wood-fired oven, but they either don't have the time or maybe they think they don't have the skill to do it themselves. Now, on the skill thing, I'd say, look, if you're scared of IKEA furniture – Maybe don't have a crack at building one of our ones. Yeah, <laughs> yes, um, right. but, but they we, got good instructions. But if you're so if you're scared of their furniture, then then our our build might be a little bit challenging. But um, if you if you're you know a bit handy, I would say have a crack at it. But that said, some people just don't have the time, uh, and or or they would prefer to put the time into work or in family and so on. They would rather just pay someone to build it for them. Right. So how do you find someone who's going to do a good job? We do have some professional installers that we can recommend. Now at the moment we only have them sort of dotted around Australia. They don't work. Oh, for so us. not just in Melbourne. Okay, so no, yeah, we've got a, we've got a couple in Melbourne. We've got um, so, you know, a couple in Byron Bay. Uh, we've got a couple, you know, one up in Brisbane, one in Adelaide. We have got them dotted around. There's a
1: few guys out there who has some amazing Instagram accounts. Yeah, yeah, that So I presume that these are some of these yeah, if you guys. Yeah, look got
0: right? like Giuseppe is a Melbourne dot Mason. Yes, Flame Mason. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, he, fantastic I work. Love Giuseppe. He is just a gem. We'll put of a man. Uh,
1: his uh, link in the show notes um, as well. Fantastic.
0: And, and so we've got. Uh, like he's just one of of many um, builders that we have on our on our website so you look up at professional installers page there's a there's this contacts okay. and you say well Ben why don't you have at the moment we don't have one in sydney right don't um, you and yeah, why not and i don't have a single one in america why not because it takes an awful lot of time for me to build that relationship where i trust them to do a really good job yeah right um and now look yeah there are i'm sure there are some shonky operators out there and and look, there's Shonky operators in just about every field, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But, um in terms of finding someone who's going to do a great job for you, uh, the guys on our list are vetted and we're confident. And that's why we put them on our list is well, we're willing to say they are going to do a great yeah. job for you. Um, and so that's why there's not that many on our list because it, it takes quite a while for us to build that confidence that they're going to do a good job. Okay. Um, in terms of then, you're like, well, Ben, you're not helping me. Like, I'm in California yeah. and I would love to have someone build this for me. If you can find, a, like, someone, maybe a friend could recommend a landscaper or a bricklayer, a stonemason, a hard landscaper, contractor, um, someone who works with their hands, they will be able to build our oven to the same standard as Giuseppe. Or, or, you know, I hate to put myself in the same league.
1: But like, you designed your ovens to be nice and simple correct. to build for guys like me who've never touched a brick are, and mortar in my life. They are designed for DIY. Yeah. And so if you
0: find a good tradesman, let's say, um, who is willing to take their time and has good attention to detail, they're going to do just as good a job as, as Giuseppe, as any of our builders because they're following the instructions and so on. So – um, if you if you're outside of an area where we have one of our recommended builders, um, and so you are like well, I don't have that option, Ben, find a good like recommended contractor or landscaper, stonemason, uh, and and show them the videos and say, look, oh, can you build this for me? And if if you if you've seen maybe some of the other work and they're putting good attention to detail yeah. to detail into that work,
1: they should do it. They really should better do there. it fine. Yeah, because it is it's a DIY. Cooking. In your wood-fired oven. We've touched a little bit uh, that you're actually quite an expert at cooking in your See, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to no, say no, that. Come on no. now. Anyway. Uh,
0: in some very, very specific dishes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How about smoking a pork shoulder- Inside a D105.
0: Thank you for touching on one of my very specific dishes. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was fantastic. It was so That fun, was man. Now, I'd it like to just so have, a, have a, a quick chat about that Please. about that video. How many times did you ever smoke a pork shoulder before you shot that video? All
0: right. So, yeah, for those of you who haven't seen the video, uh, it's tremendously long as all of our videos are. <laughs> um, oh, it was I, only I, about 56 minutes. Well, I, show, I show you how to use a wood-fired oven as a smoker. Um, it was man, genius. I could, I could talk about that for a long time, but uh, so I, uh, in the short answer, I think I did it five times yeah. before I shot the video, yeah. just improving my my process um, each time, making sure because I don't want to just make something up and say to everyone, "Hey, you should do this." So I <laughs> wanted to test it, and but even on the day of doing the video, I put in ideas that I hadn't planned to before. Oh, it makes is it, it exciting, it, I tell
1: you. I, I, For me personally, it's probably one of my favorite videos that you've done, mm. and and. I've got, uh, I've just sold two of my smokers, but I've still got two smokers. I, I, I've been cooking in my smokers longer than I've been cooking in my D105 by about a decade. I love my smokers. So you claim in your video that you can smoke a pork shoulder to challenge a pork shoulder smoked in a smoker. And I would have to agree that you can. And having cooked probably 50 pork shoulders of my smokers and one in my wood fired oven, I would say it. Does an exceptional job, and I think the process that you showed in your video mm-hmm. uh, was uh, was spectacular. Can you run the listeners through? Sure. Because I know as soon as I've listened to this podcast, just watched uh, Ben's video after listening to this podcast, it is a great uh, a video on how to smoke uh, in a in a wood fired oven. Quickly run through uh, the process that you did.
0: Okay, so if you want to use your wood fired oven as a smoker, and and Oh, man, I talk for way too long on all these subjects, right? Oh, this is great. But, As a podcast it's great. It's using your oven. It's not a pizza oven. Of course, it's, it's not. a wood fire oven. It's a wood fire oven. oven. Right? And oh, I try so hallelujah. hard. Hallelujah! Right, I try really hard not to call it a pizza oven. I good. still do. I try, but I try. I'm sorry. No, it's I'm, good. No, I'm, I'm pleased to you know because
1: uh, hashtag not just a pizza hashtag oven. Not just a pizza oven. No. Right. So
0: you you can cook a whole bunch of stuff in it, and of course, your mind goes to bread maybe roasts maybe you're doing some grilling yep. like on your, your you know the, the tuscan grill yeah remote. some
1: tuppers oh um, we love doing tuppers in ours oh it's
0: great so you know there's all this other stuff but what about smoking uh and and i actually put it to um matt Redman, is a customer uh of mine and he's a part of a competition barbecue team in queensland and he i said could you try using your oven as a smoker because he does smoking on weekends like for you know for fun and um said, fine, I'll, I'll have a go. I'll let you know how I go. And he came back to me with this whole process. And so I take very little credit for the process. I've refined it a little bit, but he has spent hours on the phone with me going through it and, and coaching me and everything. So what you do is you fire up your oven uh, well before you're planning on doing smoking. So you might do, say, pizza on a Friday night, yep. 400 degrees Celsius. Um, all day Saturday, it will be, it'll start off at about, say, 260, 12 hours later, it'll be 260 Celsius. By the end of the day, it's probably getting down to about the 180 mark. Yeah. By the start of Sunday, though, now you're getting down to the mid hundreds in Celsius terms. Where we were after was around. I think I was targeting about 130 degrees. Now you can help the oven cool down a little faster by taking the door out. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could talk about that eight for ages. <laughs> but basically, you get you let the oven cool down. So you heat the oven up, you let the fire go out, yeah, and then you let the oven cool down to the point that you, the actual temperature that you're after. And what, that's what's called cooking in a falling mm. oven. Uh, so that the temperature oven is falling. There's no additional energy being put in. The oven is cooling down now, but it's very, very gradual. Right? In terms of um, so what's what is smoking though? Oh heavens! Uh, so smoking is a way of cooking, and hot smoking specifically is cooking using some heat uh, and smoke, as the name would suggest. Hot smoking and um, it's divine. It is it so, is so, good. <laughs> so good. delicious. Oh um, uh, and so. In order to do hot smoking, you need heat, you need smoke, and you need really consistent heat, is what you're after. You don't want you heat do. that's going up and down, down and nope, and varying no. all over the place. You want this consistent heat. Well, the oven is providing this heat. You've got, in the case of the D105, you've got a metric ton of thermal mass oh, that <laughs> is, is, is well it's yeah, cocooned in good. the insulation. Yeah. And so it provides this incredibly stable. Heat source, but it is cooling down. So I'm just going to cover the heat side of it first, and we'll talk about the smoke, and then we can talk about the the meat. Mm. So we we wanted a pretty stable 130 degrees, and we wanted that for about eight hours. Now, you could go a little lower and slower, Mm -hmm. you know, and and push your cook out to like 14 hours.
1: 18 hours for me sometimes. Jeez.
0: So, So like, but hey, I was filming with Joel. And while he's my best friend. Yeah, he doesn't want to stick in 18 hours. He is not that patient. Oh, oh,
1: you look at it, I've, I've actually gone back to my sort of 10-hour smokes in my smoker on my pork shoulders now. Uh, and, and I reckon there's a sweet spot between the 8 and 10 hours yeah, now. Yeah. I think the result you get there is almost just as good at, at 18 hours. Not kind of worth doing it. Uh, anyway, it's a go. You do something you yeah, want you to try yeah, and
0: But, hey, so we're, we're cooking in a falling oven. This is not a magical device that just holds temperature without any energy input, right? So if you were just to, say, put your – your meat in and, and get your smoke going, your oven would still be cooling down. Mm. And by the end of eight hours, you would probably have dropped from 130 to about a, somewhere between 100 and 110.
1: You put a Maine. big hunk of cold uh, pork in there as well. so yeah, Exactly. Okay. So
0: you're putting in like yeah. three kilos of pork. Yeah. Well, there's a col- there's something yeah. that's absorbing heat. It's going to drop the temperature yeah. a little bit. Right. So we need some energy input. We need to put a tiny bit of energy, a bit of heat into the oven to hold the temperature. And that's where charcoal comes in. And now you can use lump charcoal, you could use briquettes. Yep. I really love the lump charcoal. Yep. It's just natural. That's
1: gorgeous, sauce. isn't it? I love it.
0: Um, but the key thing, and this is the thing that I added in. So, so what we're going to do, and what I did in one of my earlier um, cooks was I had the shot, you know, the pork in there, I had my smoke going, which I'll describe in a sec. And then in order to maintain the temperature, I had a little pile of charcoal on the floor. Yep. And I was just adding little bits of charcoal to this little pile. And, what, and that was sitting there just burning, very not a big pile, like a handful. And it was just providing just a tiny bit of heat input into the oven in order to hold the temperature. And you've got to keep in mind, in terms of how the oven's looking at the moment, the door is basically shut. Mm. It's just just tiny bit open. You've cracked let, it just, just on one side. It, just let eh? a yeah. little bit of air in yeah. and let a little bit of smoke out. And so we've got just enough air to feed that charcoal. And, and that's providing some heat input that is then Enabling us to hold the oven at the temperature for as long as we want. We just have to keep on top of that charcoal. Now, what I did it was just such a blessing that I walked into Bunnings that day. I, I walked, I wandered <laughs> yeah. through the barbecue area and I looked up at the shelf and there's these charcoal baskets.
1: Yes, you ever yes. heard of the dang things? I saw it, I was like, ha! Oh, that's what I need. will grab a couple of those. I'm gonna manufacture those. No, no, I'm just gonna
0: recommend you get them from your local hardware store. They're like $12. Yeah. So I grabbed these things and and what it meant was. I can have my charcoal in this little metal basket ah. that is movable. And it's not a pile of charcoal on the floor that's frankly a bit of a mess. I could pull it, get my pan hook or my, you know, my oven tool I pull it out, put a bit of charcoal in it, push it back in. Genius. Again. Anyway, so so in terms of heat, so hot smoking, the heat is mostly from the residual heat in the walls and the floor of the oven. And holding the heat so that it doesn't just keep falling, we do with that charcoal. And we could have done it for I don't care if you want to do a 36 hour cook. Just keep putting that charcoal oh, in, oh. and and it's, and it's basic thermodynamics. It's this like this equation of like, well, you've got energy in, yeah, energy out. Like, you you know. Anyway, yep. I, sorry, That's, I won't go into that. But no. so we've got our yeah. we've got our heat now, and we're able to manage that, and we can keep track of it using. There's some pretty funky thermometers out there, yeah. and 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 I was using a Fireboard uh, product, which fantastic. Is awesome. Yep. Um, we don't look. I don't even sell them yet.
1: Like, yeah. we, we're,
0: we're going to. I bought one. Short. Um, and I it, it's good, isn't it?
1: I bought it for two reasons. One, I wanted to use it with my smokers. Yes. And two, I want to really crank up my oven yeah, yeah, and yeah. do some episodes on the full decay yeah, of heat yeah, 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 and yeah. track this heat on a graph, but like Clive did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unit is amazing, right? Oh, so you did tell me you, you, so nice. you're going to be stocking them pretty soon. Yeah, was, and I would was, highly was, recommend guys come to you and grab one of those because well, they're, 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 they're
0: amazing. I, I get them from anyone. Like, and, and they are expensive. They are fantastic, they're, they're, but they're at the high end of they the are at the, high the, end. The, um, the range. There's some cheaper options out there that don't have quite the functionality. But they're, they're also the probes, yes. Most of the fancy sort of oven, oh, sorry, uh, probe thermometer systems that are on the market use what's called a thermistor. Yeah. A thermistor is a little probe, a little metal probe, and it, it will go up to about 300 degrees or so. Yeah. Thereafter, it breaks, right? You can't take it beyond that. You kill it. Now, it's very easy to get your oven to way over 400, 500 degrees. Easy. So the Fireboard Pro 2 is the only um, uh, system on the market that I'm aware of that uses thermocouples. A thermocouple is not as responsive as a thermistor. Thermistors have a very quick response time. When you stick them in a piece of meat, they give you an answer right away. A thermocouple is a little slower, but who cares? What we're wanting to measure is, say, the oven air temperature. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually – something I've – I've just got some samples. I'm going to be making these um, thermo wells. It's like a, a stainless steel tube. You've got one in the wall of your oven right now with the gauge in it. Did you have the – No. Oh, well, you didn't put the gauge I in the oven. I did not. No, I didn't. Basically, I'm making these thermo wells. And it's a stainless steel tube that will mount through the wall okay. and you can slide a thermocouple into it. Ah, so wow. it gives you a port that you can put a thermo th- thermocouple probe into. How will
1: I do that now in my oven? Uh, you'll need a drill. We'll, right we'll through the side. video. Hey, we'll we'll. It'll be fun.
0: Anyway, yeah. um, so so basically, we had we used the fireboard when we were doing the smoking. We had a couple of probes set up. Brilliant. So one in the oven, yeah, and there was one in the meat. Yep. Um, and it was giving us feedback constantly of this is how hot the oven is, this is how hot the inti- the internal temperature of the meat is, and the beauty of the fireboard is you can set up alarms. In oh your, man, in your, in your phone, so I could set it up so that yeah. if it got over 135. Yeah. It you. It would ping me if it got below one hundred and twenty-five. Yeah. It would ping me, and I yeah. go, "Oh, I need to go and put a bit more charcoal on." Clever and stuff. And so it was. And I honestly, I only had to do it maybe adding more charcoal. I think I had to do it over eight hours. I think I did it six times. Damn. It was. It was just. I was. I was amazed. Yeah. I honestly thought I was going to be putting on charcoal every half an hour. Interesting. And it just wasn't. So anyway, heat. That's our heat, and that's how we're managing it. We have. A, we were using this fireboard system, but you don't need that. And you it's kind of it, cool it, though. It's, cool. Oh, look, it's cool. cool. Come on, we doing it but anyway. I want to. I want to make sure that. So we're not a business that's trying to flog you every single thing, right? You don't need a fireboard. It is a sexy tool. It, it's so it's, cool. It, it even it's looks so cool. cool but you don't need. It. No, of course you don't. You can do it differently. So you could do all of this without yep. the fireboard. Yeah. Um, you could be looking at a gauge in the side of your oven to see what the temperature is yep. and making sure you're staying on top of that.
1: You couldn't control no. that uh, remotely from a different state, though.
0: No, you can't. No. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, so That's so really so. so yeah, um, and and then in terms of monitoring the meat, hey, you could get like. Buttings has these little, little thermistor probes that you can just stick in the meat and it'll give you an instant Ed, reading yeah. and you could do that every couple of hours. Okay, smoke. Right, do, so how smoke, do, how, how do, do we smoke? generate smoke? So I engineer, I like repeatability. I want to get the same result time and time and time, and, time again. Um, you can make, like you could generate smoke by putting a wet log, let's say, on the bed of coals. Very hard to repeat that every single time the same. You know, Get your iron bark log and dry it out or, or, or make it wet or whatever and, and put it on your coals and get the smoke going pellets there are these uh you can get pellets in a whole variety of flavors yep. you know all your all your fruit woods everything yep and then you just need something to put the pellets in there are these smoker you've got smoker tubes there's smoke mazes and basically they're a perforated metal container that you fill with pellets and you you light one end it takes a bit of lighting you need like one of those little propane burners yep you get the pellets smoldering and then they burn like a fuse and they burn for like six hours, mm. and they give off all this smoke. Yep.
2: So you Gorgeous. take
0: your – in the video, I use smoke tubes, and I put that in the oven, lit them up, and they generate huge amounts of smoke, uh, and they're consistent and they're repeatable, and I can say, oh, I want cherry and apple. Or, yep. you know, I Absolutely. want or whatever yeah. would I want. Um, and so you've got your heat, and you've got your smoke, and again, those – like the smoker tubes are very cheap. Yeah. Um, you can get Bunnings. Bunnings sound cheap. Right. Yeah. So, so you, you've you got those available to yeah. so you. Um, have a play with it. Yeah. It's, it's, good fun. It's, it's just, I was so satisfied when I did it for the first time. Oh, I, was yeah. like, I I couldn't believe it worked. Yeah. It was fantastic. I was just pumped. Yeah. Um, uh, and, I'd really encourage people to give it a go because you don't have to run out and buy the fireboard in order to
1: do so. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right. And, and, and I think if you're looking for different ways to utilize this investment that you've now built in, the, in your backyard, yes. and if you don't have a smoker, I think 100% look for as many different ways that you can use this amazing cooking chamber mm. uh, to your benefit. And smoking, like the way you demonstrate it, is a fantastic way of of doing it. I well, think it's, it's great. It's a
0: great way of using up that lower Yeah, end, it is. yeah. Uh, of, of the uh the residual heat absolutely. cycle. As the oven really absolutely. cools down, yeah. It's a fantastic thing to do with that. Because otherwise yeah. you're not you can't really bake at
1: no. those temperatures. No, it's, it's just fine. it's, it's a bit cool smoke. now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can. Okay. Andirons. Yes. Now, you and I have talked about this before. Yep. Um I love my andiron. Yeah. And I couldn't buy it from you. But that's yes. okay. Well I don't yeah, we don't have one. No, you don't. No. I was thinking you could do a um a wood-fired oven podcast and iron, yeah, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Clive uses it. iron. He loves. It. Actually, I'm a big fan of the iron. And and I reckon it, it it allows me a bit more versatility uh, with my heat, with my flame. Yep. Um, it's apart from my hook, it's probably my second favorite tool at the moment. Yes. Uh, why don't you make one?
0: Well, so I think you you like it because so you're getting uh you think are you getting better combustion i think so
1: i i, I See, think this I, is, again look, i want
0: to do some I, kind of testing I, he on will this
1: come up to my house well, he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because
0: he's like i want to have two ovens i want them side by side absolutely and i want to go right this one they're both running at the same temperature we're
1: going to take a log we're going to we're going to weigh each log and we're going to throw it in that oven yeah you're probably fine you proved me wrong but look if i can get a small log sitting just off the floor, I mm. think i probably get better oxygenation around the around But the I'm log. finding,
0: and it is depending on the temperature you're running at, if your oven's at 400 degrees, you can throw a log on the floor, flat on the floor, it will erupt into flames. Yeah. So like Chris Bozzo, uh, the fires uh, that
1: man uh, burns. Oh, my god! Like they are just ferocious, right? Have you seen the size of those logs? They're massive, massive. Yeah, there's uh, no and iron in that oven. Bro. No, there's no. not. And, and, no. and so I'm not saying no, it's bad. no. Um,
0: have you played with one? Then? I haven't played with one yet. Okay, you must. Um, I'm, I'm willing to. Um, I'm willing. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not like some anti-iron guy. How hey, can I convince you to start? Um, start but, but again, I want to make sure. It's like with the say the fireboard. It's an awesome tool. It is brilliant. But you don't have to have one in order to enjoy your oven. And and I want to make sure uh, that I, I agree. I hundred percent. I percent agree. I would say but I
1: do think yes. it enhances your use of the oven significantly. Yeah.
0: If you're well, the thing that I want to make. Sort of on a similar vein, but different. I want to make a. It's a very simple as well. I made one out of just a piece of angle iron, so hundred by hundred angle yeah. iron, like an L shape, but about five hundred mil long. And I took it and I just shoved it into the bed of coals, and I used that to ramp the coals yes. back yes. out of the way. Now I have yeah, a I've cooking seen that area.
1: Done. Yeah. That to
0: me, and now the problem with steel is, well, it's just going to flog out. You're going to rust it very quickly. It's going to burn out. I'll make it in stainless. It'll have, it'll <laughs> have some have awesome laser cut pa- yeah. oh, parts. It'll have our logo in laser. We're
1: we going to see yeah, next yeah, yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so
0: that'll give us something to do with that laser cutter. Yeah, no, 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 um, no, no, anyway, really um, like make an end on. That, that. I get. I do. I get it. I'm just not. I'm not, You're not convinced, convinced that it's making a profound difference to the performance of your oven. I can see how I'm not it saying help. it makes
1: a profound difference to my performance in my yes. oven, but I reckon I get more flame. Yes. Okay. Ignore the Chris Vozos of this world where yes, I might yeah, like yeah. to have um I like to have flame in my oven even when I'm retained cooking, just retain heat cooking. Because I like the flame, right? And if I can get get, get a couple of logs yes. off the floor. Yep. I get I get flame yeah, all around. That, it.
0: That's different. So because I'm thinking I often my mind will go straight to big fires, right? And in a big fire situation, I don't think the and iron's doing anything for you. If you have a massive fire roaring, mm. you could literally just put a log flat on the floor and it will just in, be engulfed in flames.
1: It, it glows um, bright red though. It's kind of cool.
0: It's it is cool. <laughs> but so so in in the setting that you're describing where you're burning at say 300 degrees or something, then Actually, I think it would make a difference because at those temperatures, you don't get the same kind of combustion of the timber. You're not getting the same gasification of the wood. So by having having it raised so that you can get heat all around it, uh, you are going to get more flame and less smoldering. You know, so so yeah. So I like to I'm come around, the wood. you convince me. I, I, there you go. Um, so the wood
1: fire after I've had a couple of beers, I quite like to balance the wood on the andine and just see if I can just get it there. How it I, don't burn?
0: You like, oh, no, I do you it? You like this is why oh, you've got do. no you've got no, no arm I'm myself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <again>. <laughs> that's right. I had a listener email me yes. on the podcast when asking you about andons. Yes. <laughs> if you talk so about chairs in yeah, yeah. yeah. He says, if you talk them into making one for the D105. Good luck with that. Ask them to produce a smaller one for the p five, and perhaps for smaller ovens yes. too. Look, I, I think there are some other really cool manufacturers of, of, of even in Australia of, of really small ovens, right? Pizza ovens, yes. uh, and you know, it, I don't know. I, I, I think, think you need to think for, about that, Mister for,
0: for an instantaneous heat oven, like uh, sorry, a direct fired yes. oven, yes, where you know it's a stainless, but effectively a stainless steel box, yeah. And iron there would be almost critical because you're just not you don't have the thermal mass to just throw in a log and, and, go, have, it and have it and have yeah. it take off so um that might be a really Good tool. Actually, Dennis, who Grand Ridge Forge, who yes. makes all our oven tools. Oh, they're gorgeous. He has been working on an andine design for a while.
1: Has he just? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I will, like, Is that the Woodfire Oven I'll, podcast and on? Uh no. maybe, maybe. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to talk to Dennis. Come on, Dennis. Yeah, me. Touch. You'd have no. to talk to Dennis. Seriously. No, but that'd be great. That'd be great. No. Make, um, make sure no I, I, I see
0: because we really like we want to make sure that we're offering really good accessories, yeah. ideally Australian made. Oh, um, yeah. for for Wood ovens. Like top-level quality, something that's going to be there forever. Mm. Um, so if I make an and iron, it'll be stainless steel. So it won't be mild steel because they they just won't last forever. They, it's the nature of steel and fire. Um, so, yeah, it would be something like that.
1: But I'll run it by Dennis. You run it by Dennis? What about a skewer rack?
0: Yes. What about a
1: skewer rack? I, you know, one of the things I've been thinking of. What have you I remember you
0: sent me the drawing. Like I years did. ago. It was ages I was like, and it's uh, about
1: three thousand years ago I've now. I've been ben. busy, no, no, all right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but, uh, one of the things I love to do with my oven, though, and I've done it so many times now. I've got these big, gorgeous stainless steel skewers. I think yeah, must be yes. Uh, and, I've and, seen and, these on your Instagram. Oh, yeah, look, yeah. and I just and the, oh, butter the butter chicken, the chicken tikka masala oh. is, and, but these things Ooh. are about a meter long, right? And so the first time I did it, the reason I raise it is the first time I did it. I put the skewers at the, at the mouth of the oven. Yeah, that's great. I wasn't really using the oven as it should more of a barbecue. Anyway, so on the second time I did it, uh, I decided to get um, – uh, uh, flatter and longer skewers, and now push the whole thing into the oven. So mm. now I'm getting all the gorgeous heat off the dome, yeah. hitting these gorgeous chicken thighs that uh, rippling over the, the charcoals as well. And I use bricks, and I had to prop them up with bricks. And um, at, on both sides, I had to put bricks, in, and actually, so I ended up having bricks right across the mouth of the oven. And what did that do? Well, it stopped the air drawing into the oven. And the fire that I had in the back of the oven kind of went out. Yes,
0: because because all the, the air is flowing up and I've over. Killed it, and yeah. and maybe getting to, around yeah. the sides. Yeah. but You That's want right. you want to feed the coals. Yeah, uh, exactly and it right. Needs air. Yeah, yeah. So and it's slow. interesting. Sometimes you think, well, as long as there's air somewhere, it'll it'll
1: burn it, yeah. right? But yeah,
0: it Really wants it wants a direct path. To yeah, it. and I was I was looking at it as well, going, all right, you've got to get this giant skewer off without dropping it into <laughs> into the embers. So you how we can know, like
1: slide it back, slide the whole rag back. You yeah, know? no. So
0: <laughs> I I think. That definitely has some potential. Dennis, um, get on that of, too. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, I and so. I mean, I want to do a thing. What about fish? Where you could hang fish oh. from, so like smoked trout. Yeah, okay, like or salmon or something. You need to hang them though. Yeah. Um, when I believe when you're doing fish, I'm not an expert on this, but I don't eat seafood. But
1: I'm 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 hearing you here. That's okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So
0: so if if I wanted to make so, a, okay, a hanger, so like but a here's the thing: you yeah. need head height. Now that thankfully our, our ovens are quite tall. Are. So the D105 has actually got an internal height of I think it's 400, yes. no, 5, 525 mil it's from floor to ceiling. I so I can and almost that's fit very it. intentional. <laughs> um and so, but I want to make a hanger that you get into the oven sort of and this is gonna be hard to describe, but you basically slide it into the oven but fold it up, you slide all the way oh, in, yes, and then you okay. lift it up, and the front legs flip out, and now you've got this hanger that utilizes the height of the dome and it sort of follows the curvature of the dome and you could hang stuff off. That's that. a great idea. Yeah, but it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of those, it is an idea that I would love to make and all this stuff, you're like, why don't you make an end on, why don't you make this, this, that. <gasps> would you and just I get to love, work, I would love <laughs> to dedicate my time to just, because that for me is playtime. Yeah. That yeah. is just my yeah, playtime. Like, Good stuff. Hey, Ben, you want to make a new product? Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, yeah please. You know, when I was like, oh yeah. Um, Nowadays, I mean the business is going terrifically well. Fantastic. But it's a business. Yeah. And it requires a lot of attention yeah. and um and it's not just all the fun stuff of like, you know, oh, this is so cool. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, make this new thing today. Yeah. It's all right, we've got to do some administrative stuff. All right, I need to find a you – know, oh, we're yes. having some problems with this freight supplier. All right, I'm going to have to talk to them. And and wow, the price on that has gone up by 18%. Do I need to find Damn. another supplier for that? You know, oh, yeah, are absolutely. There are more so important so, things is what yeah, you're saying, the fun, Not mm-hmm. important, it's uh, just come on. do you yeah. want more yeah. ovens or not? <laughs> I could only put uh,
1: one in my backyard. I just need the
0: bits now. Just I, <laughs> I want to be here next year.
1: All right, is that too much uh, to ask? No, we'll, we'll forgive you for that. that. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, when you cook in your oven, uh, what are some of the what, – what, what's your favourite tool? What do you like using in your oven? Tools like – so yeah. like oven tools? Yeah, oven but tools. Look, the
0: one I use the most is the coal scoop. Yeah. Um, and, and you can use it for heaps of stuff. But yeah. in terms of tending the fire, flipping logs up into place, the coal scoop for me, I can flip my logs, I can move move stuff around, and I can rake the coals left to right. And that's the one that I use the most. Yeah. Um, but the the, the hook – I remember you were mentioning the hook. I really um, like my hook. It's yeah. really like, again, you can do fire tending with the hook as well. You can. The, uh, the, yeah. the claw is what is what um Grand Ridge Ford makes. It's got yeah, two, quite nice, two, two little, hooks. Yeah, it's aggressive. It is aggressive, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's really solid, too. So you can use that to pull out pans. Uh, You know, you can, you know, um like I've, I've actually used it. You know, when you put in a pizza base and you get a big bubble? Um, oh, yes, you Just you, pop you it with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, but I, I wouldn't say I necessarily have a, a favorite because they're all. If you said, "Oh, oh, cool! Well, you get your coal scoop and your your claw now, and, and that's it," and I'm like, "Well, I kind of need a pizza peel as well, and actually, I do need a brush."
1: You do need and a brush. While I don't
0: use them yeah. all the time, I don't use the brush constantly. It is quite important. So, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say a favorite, but but there you go, yeah. got three
1: favorites. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Ben, we are. Gradually coming to the end of this fabulous episode. To finish off these interviews, we do twenty quick fire questions. Okay. Okay. I'll try. Okay. Yeah. Give it your, I'll give try your not best to go, it'll get quick fire. Yeah. So yeah, they're not quick fire long answer. No, they're not. No. So a. Yeah. The, it's not short fire. So you can't. You know. You got to You just got to go. All right. Yeah. And yeah. you know they quick. They're, <laughs> Clive did really well on this, so yeah. no pressure. Yeah, I do remember
0: Clive doing really well. He knew. Answers to things. And I was like, he was amazing. Boom,
1: straight out. Yeah. Okay. I'll try. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? These are different questions though. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) What's the bravest thing you have ever done? Uh, I'm already failing, Clive. (laughs) (laughs) It's quick fire, not slow fire. Bravest thing. This is question. What's the bravest thing you've ever
0: done? I thought, well, part of me would say the starting the business, you know, oh, that was, you know, you could call that brave. Um, I tend to take uh, calculated risk. Yeah. Um, so I'm not like totally risk averse, but I like to calculate my risk pretty carefully. Okay. So when I was, I was like, do I do bungee jumping? Have I leapt into a cave? Nope. Um, no, I, I don't, don't really do those no, crazy things. No. Um, I'm gonna have an in the shower tonight. I'm gonna I'll be like, oh, why oh, did that oh, the time where I saved all those
1: children? Okay. I so need to go to question two, which okay. is what's the stupidest thing you've ever done? Oh
0: man! I tried to dive headfirst through a real estate sign one time. Did you? Yeah, it didn't come out very well. It turns out I had thought you they were made a, of, at the time. Did you I, have a beer or two. I, I'm not going to talk about that. Okay, but, fair uh, I thought they were made <laughs> of canvas. They were made of sheet metal. <laughs> <laughs> Next,
1: if you could teach one subject at school, what would it be?
0: Oh, if I could do F1 in schools, it's an awesome thing. In high schools, they get um, high school students, budding engineers. And it's Formula One in schools, and they oh, basically cool. get them to make this tiny little Formula One car that's powered by a, um, a little, a little uh, gas uh, bottle. And you pierce the gas bottle and the thing goes, the race goes for like two seconds. Oh, that sounds so fun. That's oh, amazing. It okay. teaches them all these manufacturing techniques. So you'd love to do that. f one in school, okay. it's not a it's not a it's not actually a subject. But, okay. but a it rad, sounds pretty cool. It's, it's
1: pretty cool. Okay. What's the worst mistake you have made designing or building your kit?
0: The first one, I would say the worst mistake is um I in the first 12 flue galleries that I made, I didn't put any stainless steel reinforcing fibers in them because okay. I wasn't aware of them. Yeah, right. And so what happened was when those customers fired up their ovens and Got them really up and going. Those flu galleries split in half. Okay, right? Because they had no tensile strength. They had no reinforcing. Okay. So I replaced all of those. Yep. Uh, and... And now we, you know, everything we have is reinforced, reinforced with stainless steel files. That was the dumbest thing I did. It's not that dumb. It's pretty dumb.
1: Uh, okay. How long did it take you to grow your beard? I'm just starting. It's about I'm nine months. I, I, yeah, I total, no like, way. To, to go,
0: like maybe to get it to this length, it would be about maybe a year. I shaved it off on a dive a bit, trip. It was driving jealous. me nuts. Oh, with your mask I was, on I, I was face? wearing a mask and the, 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 the mustache was letting all this water into my mask and I just cracked it. And I was like, right, <laughs> it's coming off. And I bought a shaver and I, and I, I whittled this beard off. And I and saw you, my face, and then you regret I had my mum's chin. Oh, dude. and I was like, oh,
1: "Bless mum! Oh, I love oh. you, mum, but I'm gonna let this beard grow back, and oh. I'm never shaving it again." Oh, well, I really like your beard. Anyway, when are we gonna get together and cook in my wood fight oven? Oh man,
0: when would, are you coming to Brizzy? I would actually because you're not busy and, enough here, are you? Yeah, no, I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would, I would love to come okay. up. Actually, we we're gonna do more travelling and, and filming, so we're going to. Um, we're going to go back to America and visit customers there and Fabulous. film with them. Great. But we're going to do the same thing in Australia. Great. Where we go, we film with customers, and you tell us, I'm like I said, yeah. engineer, not yeah. chef. Yeah. Teach me, <laughs> teach everyone how your get dish. to get your
1: around my place, and you come and visit That's us cheating. That's yeah. cheating. <laughs> you know, it's got to <laughs> be from you. <laughs> yeah, no, <I> <laughs> He's amazing. <gasps> when can I get a factory tour? Very soon. Very I'm soon glad you asked. Uh, me too. Immediately. Stay tuned for that one. Uh, what's the next product you're gonna produce? Apart from my andline. <laughs>
0: oh, far out. No pressure. <laughs> Look, I would love to make more of our charcoal grills. We we had a fantastic range of these heavy duty charcoal grills. So they're not a they're a standalone, uh stainless steel charcoal grill. I would love to make those again. You got, got a backorder list? I had so many people. Okay. About but um I'm on the there's, list. For there's a it. pretty significant amount of Development, but the most probable one will actually be a bigger precast oven.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah that's exciting. Yeah, a lot of work oh, as well. Okay, but let's talk about that next week. What would you order at drive-through?
0: If I could, the Mighty Angus Burger oh, at McDonald's, and they stopped. Yeah. No, they changed it. No, they they changed I it, I, and then they stopped making I, I, it I, I because they, they wrecked me. it. Uh, they, Don't they, even get me started. I, okay. <laughs> Things that I like, (laughs) I'll find something that I really like, (laughs) Uh, like these special burger sauce crackers at Coles and Woolies. They had these amazing natural cracker company It's a supermarket, right? Yeah. It's a a supermarket and they were these amazing biscuits and it tasted like a Big Mac.
1: Did it really? Yeah, yeah.
0: And I love them. I went through boxes and boxes of them. Oh, fantastic. And then they stopped making them. Uh, Oh, I hate them. Because I liked them.
1: What are you completely bored of in life right now?
0: Uh, Driving to work in the dark- Really? And then returning oh. home in the dark. That's just winter. I, you're I don't You're probably going to do that
1: today. Sorry, yeah. it's my fault. Already. Yeah, no. Uh, oh uh, okay. What's one goal you're determined to achieve in your lifetime?
0: Um, to be a really good dad.
1: Congratulations. <laughs> yep. Um, She's due in September. And is that your first? That is our first.
0: Congratulations
1: to both so, of you. That's exciting. Yeah, it well is. Well done, you. Yeah. yeah. No. Very ah, good. Yeah, yeah. Both of you. What is your favourite thing about living in Melbourne? Uh, the food. What's the least favourite thing about living in the Melbourne? The traffic. Yeah, I'd agree with that this morning. How would you describe yourself?
0: Uh, I love to make things. Yeah, you do, don't you?
1: And you're very yeah. innovative.
0: You keep saying I'm innovative. Oh, you are. Have, like you seen, stuff. have
1: you seen your seven factories out there? I have there? seen them. Yeah, okay. Again, that's a very slow process. <laughs> <Who's>, it's
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Innovation seems to be one of this, this fast thing. where it's like, pow, 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 innovate. And I'm like- You can innovate slowly, ben. increment,
1: Incremental improvement. Who's the best 007 of all time?
0: Sean McConnery. I, agree. I think I
1: said his name wrong. McConnery. Sean McConnery.
0: Ch- <laughs> I was
2: trying to say it really fast.
1: If you could have lunch with someone famous, who would that be and why?
0: Um there's a there's a YouTuber called This Old Tony. Yeah? And I follow him and he makes he just makes stuff Does from he? his garage. And if you haven't seen him, he's hilarious. And I would just love to sit down. Yeah, oh, that's so cool.
1: What is a movie that made you cry?
0: Uh the movie Cars.
1: I cried oh, very easily.
0: It was a great movie. No, I cried. I cried. It's <laughs> terribly in movies. It's it's very easy uh, to
1: make me cry in a uh, movie. Are you old enough to know E.T.? Did you watch E.T.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. I think I, I might have cried as I was kid probably E.T. early.
0: Like, I, I don't think I really cried in E.T., but yeah, if, if that's an example, like Cars is not a particularly tear-jerking
1: film. No. That it's, it's a great movie, though. It's really good. What's one thing you still have from your childhood?
0: I have this little box that I made to put floppy disks in. I, and I welded it up in TAFE. And I wow. remember making this tiny little metal box with a little, it had a pretty basic hinge and and I think it used a Velcro, a bit of Velcro to seal it up, to hold the, the floppy disks in there. Uh, and I still got it kicking around somewhere. That's amazing. It was just one of the first things that I remember making out of metal. Yeah. yeah and so I've hung on. How yeah,
1: cool is that? Yeah. That's nice. What's your favourite food?
0: I think butter chicken.
1: Butter is ch- pretty it's pretty good, good right? right?
0: That's, it's, yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. Last question. What would you bring on a one-way trip to Mars? It's one way. You're not coming back. Jeez. One way.
0: Like a genie in a bottle? Is that a possibility? Because um, like yeah, if you've only got one thing, you're not going to make it. You're going to need a lot more than one thing. Like you say air. No, 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 no. no. You're like, this well- is the engineer
1: talking. Uh, just one thing. You're, you're going on Elon Musk's rocket, so just a genie in a bottle?
0: That would be great. Okay. Because, frankly, one thing is just not going to cut it. Like I said, a leather man, I'm like, well, that's not going to get you. Yeah, but a genie could make you lots of things. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's actually pretty clever. I don't know. You did well man, there. Ben, it has been so much fun chatting with you today. Thanks very much for coming on to the Woodfire Oven Podcast and giving us all an insight into the guy behind the Firebrick company. Thank you so very much.
0: I thank you. I've, I've had so much fun. <laughs> it's been it's, fun.
1: it's been awesome. We've had a blast. I think we have. We have. I think
0: we have, and hopefully your listeners uh,
1: pick up on that. It's been brilliant.
0: Thank you for letting me part, be part of it. Oh, I, I really you. appreciate it.
1: You're most welcome. Don't forget, folks, to head over to Ben's website at, oh, this is getting confusing now because you've got a few. The one we'll get you to
0: go to go is www.thefirebrickco.com com And if you're in Australia, slash AU. If you're in New Zealand, slash NZ. That's clever. Uh, and
1: we'll be building out the the Canadian side eventually as well. Also, you can go check out Ben's company on Facebook. And that's just The Fibric Co. Is that right Correct. on Facebook? Okay. And also on the gram, the big Instagram. Lots of lovely pics there at The Fibric Co. Correct. That's right. There you go. We're done. Thank you so very much, Ben. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure you follow the Wood Oven podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Please consider posting a review on Apple Podcasts as this really helps the show. Don't forget to check out woodfiredoven.cooking for more tips, tricks, and advice on cooking with fire. You can also see full episode notes and links please head over and join my Facebook group, Woodfired Oven Chronicles, to discuss this episode and to see some behind-the-scenes info on my guests. Follow me on Instagram at Marks underscore Woodfired Oven and get in touch. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you in a couple of weeks for the next episode of the Woodfired Oven podcast.